Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse. This is episode 254. I am Peter, and unfortunately Matt, who has a very busy May apparently. I don't know if it's because he just got vaccinated, so now he's doing things because he's just been cooped up for so long. Because he's, he can. And he's such an adventurous Indiana Jones wannabe that he's he's got all this pent-up energy to go do stuff. But he's missing this week. He'll be back next week. Uh, but Connor is here this week. Yes. Yes, I am. Uh, Sorry. If that's if that's disappointing to you, I understand. I, I, I probably won't be here next week, though. Me and Matt are like, alternating at the minute, it seems. Yeah, so that seems to be the, the format right now. Pete, Pete's loving this because it means he's avoiding all of the hockey talk. It's, it's great, yeah. There's no, there's no hockey to bounce <laughs> off from each other. It was a gr- great game last night. Yeah, 2-0 down to win 5-2. Love it. Uh, uh, yeah, sure, yes. Uh, so this is a DC Comics podcast. We talk about DC Comics. We get together and we discuss the books we've read this week. Um, as well as some news and whatever else. But coming up on today's show, we have Wonder Girl issue one. So that's a big new issue one for the week. Uh, we also have Justice League 61, The Flash 770, Nightwing issue 80, Catwoman 31, and we have a host of Patreon books uh, this week. Uh, now, I would have done one last week, but, you know, there was a 100-page uh, celebration issue, plus Urban Legends was out, so uh, that did not happen. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. As, you know, I explained that last week. Because uh, I would have did, would have did. I would have done Joker issue two last week. Because issue three came out last week, and that's why my Patreon books. I thought, well, but seeing all the extra pages last week, it made more sense to put it this week. Uh, but I'll be talking about that. Carl will be talking about Harley Quinn issue two, also a Patreon book, and then he's also got a uh, Noctara issue three. So, uh, yeah, no, knowing I won't be here next week, I thought it was only fair to the the patrons that I do them both. Now. Yes, yes, that's all right. I could use a nap towards the end of the show anyway, so I'll I'll do that. Uh, <laughs> during Noctara. Um, so yes, that's what's coming up on the show. So I look forward. Now, we are recording this. Uh, has been has been has been the tradition this month. Bizarrely, uh, where for years we recorded on a Saturday. We never wavered from that Saturday recording time, almost to the minute. And. I won't say since the start of the show, because I actually think there was a period in the first few months of the show where we actually recorded on Fridays as a normal thing. I think we switched to Saturdays after maybe like four or five months. But we have been on Saturdays for years at this point. Literally hundreds of episodes. Yes. Uh, so it's weird that this... I don't think I've recorded a single Saturday on the Comics Podcast this month, which is really bizarre. But uh, the reason why I'm even explaining this again right now is because if we were recording this tomorrow like normal, there is a chance that the solicits for August would be available. Now, up until last month, they were always available by this time on the Friday. However, last month they dropped in the middle of the night. Not even just by UK stars, they dropped in the middle of the night Pacific standard, which is really weird because it was like 7am UK time. As far as the normal schedule goes, they're about five and a half hours late right now as we start this recording, compared to when we usually expected them kind of pretty much to the minute. That said, that said, uh, the reason that seemed to... I mean, it wasn't officially given, but with the internet doing some digging, it seemed to be that the person who was in charge of putting solicits out uh, was no longer working at the company. And so that do, that does actually sort of extend to the idea that whatever made it messy last month is why it'll still be messy this month. And presumably until they actually hire someone or whoever's in charge of doing it now gets used to doing it. And knows what they're doing. <laughs> Gets their shit together and does the damn job. <laughs> um, 
And maybe maybe the new weird middle of the night time will just become the normal. But I feel like that's a. I don't feel like maybe the day will change. Whatever. I, I get why the day might change, but doing it at the weird time they did last month was very odd. But so, if solicits do drop, middle of the night, they'll be talked about next week uh, with myself and Matt. We'll start off with everyone's favorite segment, the Comicsology Top Ten for the week. Ah, uh, okay. People love it. People love the section. I, I get. No, I don't. I do. I, I hear people on Twitter. I hear people in the emails saying to keep the section. You have not got one email about this section. <laughs> I beg to differ. I beg to differ. I want to see proof. So I'm going to look at here at the top 10 uh, on Comixology uh, as of Friday night or Friday afternoon US time, if that's what you're going by. Um, so number one, would you care to hazard a guess what's number one right now in Comixology? Uh... Is it a DC or a Marvel book? It is a DC book. Okay, if it's a DC book, I'm I'm going to be really positive and say Wonder Girl. It's not, but you're going to be pretty happy anyway. It's Nightwing. Uh, I was that was going to be my other guess. It was it was one of the two. Yeah, Nightwing issue eight comes in at number one. Uh, number two is Way of X issue two, some Marvel X Men thing. Uh, number three is Amazing Spider Man issue sixty six. And number four, we're back to DC uh, with Justice League, 61. Uh, number f- number five is Daredevil, number 30. Number six is Wolverine, 12. Number seven is The Flash, 770. Eight is Star Wars Bounty Hunters, and it's cut off. I can't see what the issue number is, but... It's the, the, it's the Bounty Hunter War stuff. Yeah, sure, that, that's the one. Uh, number nine is Wonder Girl issue one, so still got in the top ten, not too bad. Uh, yeah, I thought maybe issue one it might have gotten a little bit of a bigger bump than that, but eh, still not bad. Uh, number ten is Heroes Reborn issue three, so that's again a bit Marvels. But yeah, there was like four DC books in the top ten, not too bad by any means. Took number one slot right now. Uh, I think it's, again this changes, I think, literally every day. Uh, so this is just kind of you know as of recording as a as a way. A brief snapshot. Yeah. Uh, I was just sort of glancing ahead at the the, the rest of the, the batch. Uh, one of the digital books, Infinite Frontier, Secret Files, uh, that's like number 12, the new issue from this week. Uh, and then looking further down, the next Batman, chapter 12 of that, uh, which we'll be talking about in a couple of physical issues which time. I assume is the last issue? Uh, I would suspect so, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it was only four, four issues of three physically, right? Yeah. Uh, Catwoman is right after that, though. Uh, what was that coming in? That's coming in at number eighteen. That'll be uh, not high enough, frankly. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, it could be better. Could be better. But I, I don't think it's bad by Catwoman standards in terms of what that book traditionally no. sells. I don't think that's bad, but it's just such a damn good book. It deserves to be higher. Not at all. Uh, and is there any big DC books from this week that I have not said yet? I don't think no. so. Yeah, no, I don't think uh, so. I mean, there was Superman Red and Blue, uh, issue three. Yeah. I, is the only I, other one I can even think of. Yeah, but I would expect that to be a little yeah, yeah. further down the list, just because it's a, you know, a continuity. Anthology, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of reasons why that would be a bit lower. Yeah. I was just worried there that maybe there was something that was buried, because I couldn't see any other DC books <laughs> on, like, the, the page two, and then I'm on page three, and I'm like, where's a DC book? I don't see a DC. It's, it's just because... I thought that was all of them. Uh, yeah, because we get to last week's DC's books start popping up on page three, so... The, the only other thing that is even big at all that I can see it was the uh, uh, Batman Fortnite issue three. I did not see that in my passing, but... Uh, 
No, and apparently Legends of the Dark Knight issue one came out. Yeah, that's a reprint though. That's a collection of digital chapters. So. Oh, okay. So that's that's the. I mean, chapter whatever it's on digital is on here somewhere, but it's not theirs. What, issue what, one. Okay. What is interesting about that as a as as a print issue then is I know the first issue print wise is you know three chapters of the the digital thing, but that is just one story, uh, or you know by the same team. So mm. it's just like one one shot issue basically. Uh, well, that's neat. That's yeah. Neat. Yeah. Yeah. That that comes in at about number. Uh, you know, twenty six something like that. Uh, so yeah, it's not too bad. Uh, but that's that's a uh, chapter seven digitally we're talking about yeah. there. Uh, so there you go. That's your comicsology. Uh, you know, snapshot rankings for uh, time of recording. Uh, so DC seems to be all, all you know all their mainline books, which is, of which there's about five this week, are all you know in the top twenty. So yeah, it can't be too mad. Enough. Can't be too mad at that. Now we do have a couple of bits of news to talk about, and uh, we have some Bat Family news. Some uh, Bat books are going to be crossing over, uh, and something of an event. Although, to be honest, as I read this article, it really sounds like more just there's an article coming up in Batman, which is the heavily tea stuff with Scarecrow and Simon saying and the, the Magistrate formation and all that, um, and that's going to be issues one twelve through one seventeen. Uh, but what's interesting is that some of the, the tie-in crossover elements that are in the other books, which, to be fair, all feel part of the same world right now, so it actually feels quite justified I, that they're being affected. I definitely... I think the biggest thing for me that makes it feel... I don't, I don't want to say event, because I think they're still, like, overselling it, but more than just a random thing is it's launching a new book is, through this yeah. event. Uh, I mean, even this week's Catwoman like tied in more to what the, the current going-ons of Gotham are right now so uh, it doesn't feel cheap for them to sort of incorporate them in some way but uh but what's interesting here is that the month before that so august which is kind of what we're teasing here because that's what the next solicits are going to be uh is going to have two of the the current books tying in to to this uh, it's called fear state for the record uh, it's a horror themed event which makes sense given the scarecrow and it, this will be running through october obviously um, and, and feels like a natural place as you know we've been teasing the Scarecrow stuff already. You know, the, this just feels like the culmination of where we're going. Yeah. Uh, so, Catwoman and Harley in August will have a... Their issues will be tying into this and presumably be some sort of a prologue to the main event, which is the main Bat book, uh, starting the following month. But there's also two one-shots in August. Um, and we have I Am Batman issue zero, which is by John Ridley, and is about Jace, and is, you know basically expected to be launching a new book about Jace. So Does it specify that it's a one-shot and not just a zero issue to be followed by issue one the following month? Hold on, I'm not at that section yet. I've went past that section. There's a lot of text in this, because they did solicit text for every single one of these issues they're talking about. Um, so yeah, I Am Batman Issue Zero uh, by John Ridley, um, which is a... 40-page book, which is probably where I, I took one shot from. Um, yeah. But if it's actual solicit text, it usually says one shot, if it is one. Well, it's not solicit. It's not got all the, the, the info. Yeah, okay, fair enough. It was with it. It's just the, the, the paragraph. But they all have covers, so it feels like mm. solicit-looking in the in the article. Fair enough. Um, So, 
Yeah, so that, that's seemingly, you know, the fact that it's called issue zero, presumably that means that the Jace ongoing Bat book is going to be called I Am Batman. And that's where we're going with it. So that's kind of neat. Uh, but then there's a one shot at the end of the month as well, uh, which is Batman Fierce Alpha issue one, which presumably means that whenever this whole thing ends, there's going to be a one shot called Fierce Omega issue one or something to that effect. Uh, which they've done before. Marvel have done, I've done it a bunch of times as well with the crossovers and events. Uh, that that's the one that probably is the most like need to read if just for the main bat story because obviously it's Tynan who's doing that one shot. Uh, as you say, obviously, as if you'd told us that. Um, I think it's obvious. I think that's that's, that's fair to say that's obvious. Well, I didn't know that. I, I hadn't read this article yet. I mean, it's a one-shot about what's going on in Batman. <laughs> of course, Tynan's the, late, the most likely candidate to be writing it. Sure, most likely, but still, you know. Oh my god, are you just going to nitpick every single piece of information I give you? You didn't give me the information. That was the problem. I just did. Me saying it's Tynan, obviously, is me giving you the information. Fine. But either way, um... Exciting enough. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Oh, I'm so close to meeting your mic. Uh, all right, so yes, and then the story takes place in one twelve through one seventeen in Batman. Uh, which because that was the thing as I was reading this article, it was telling me about Harley and Catwoman, and it was telling me about uh the the, you know, the one shot. I was like, okay, this is all kind of weird and whatever. And it specifically mentions that the one-shot is not the conclusion to the event. The one-shot is the conclusion to August's part of the event. And I was like, well, presumably, like, the rest of it has to be in Batman itself because that's what they've been building to in that book. And sure enough, yes, it does confirm at the bottom that issues 112 through 117 are indeed the the story itself. The, The only other interesting thing that we haven't really mentioned yet uh, or at least I think is interesting, is that it also mentions it's following on from the events of Infinite Frontier Zero. Um, it, by the sounds of it, equally as much as just the general events of Batman recently. Uh, so that seems quite interesting to me. I'm like, okay, what's going to go on in that issue, you know, that's saying up that event that's then going to ripple not just into its own event, but into this Bat story as well? Before I make fun of you, I'm just going to confirm something. Because I'm sure of something. Okay. Right. Yeah, Infinite Frontier Zero came out in March, you idiot. Oh, is that that one? Okay. And it set up some of the stuff that Batman's already doing. So uh, that's, okay, that, that, uh, that's that issue. All right. Okay. Fair I enough. just I wanted that's... to double check before I really made fun of you for it. <laughs> Look, I forget the names. I've just Infinite Frontier. I'm like, oh, we haven't had that event yet. I know it's coming. And it's solicited, and you know, I did. I know Final Order cut off is this week actually because the, that's why I, you know, it was on my mind. Uh huh. Yes. And I was like, so I was like, what's going on in that event? But fair enough, zero. That set up the the A Day stuff. I remember that now. Yes. Yes. There was a moment there as you were talking, we were like, it sounds like he doesn't know what he's actually talking about here. And then you actually said, I don't know what's going to happen in that issue. And I'm like, wait a minute. I just forgot which <laughs> issue. I forgot that that issue was called Infinite Frontier Zero. I remember all the events of that issue. I just forgot the name of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you prefaced that by saying it was the most interesting thing that you wanted to talk about. I didn't say the most interesting. I said the only interesting thing that we have not yet talked about. 
Did not say most interesting thing. The only interesting thing. Okay. Okay. That we had not yet talked about. Uh, there is a giant variant uh, algamation that you can get. Uh, the six issues of Batman that are going to be part of the story all have variants that all form a big uh, oh, image. One of those. Yeah. But it's not in a row. It's uh, you know, it's a you know, it's like two rows of three, so it's a big square image. That's probably neater. Yeah, six issues all across is long. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's at the bottom of the article. You can go look at it if you if you want. Yeah, I'm seeing it now. It's, it's quite nice. That's all right. Uh, so that's good. Uh, the one upside is here is that you, when you get a read Harley Quinn issue six, you get a reprieve from Rosmo because Rosmo's not the artist on the main story. He's he's doing the cover still, the main cover, but. I can live with covers. Small mercies. Yeah. Who's on art? Uh, oh, do, 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 where are we? Uh, Laura Braga is on art. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laura Braga did the art that we were not critical on, but slightly disappointed by in uh, Future State. Um, in the, the main bat, I think it was the main bat book. Um, the one that had someone else on the first issue, I think it that we really enjoyed, who I'm completely yeah, blanking was, on who it, that was. It was Dick's Batman. Uh, I mean, it was fine. The art was actually really good. It was just because it was after the other artists that fell a bit. It was a step down, yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, solid art. I yeah. mean, compared to Rosmo, it's going to feel like a giant leap up, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, Blanco's still on Catwoman 34, though, which is that month. There's no change in the, uh, the Catwoman artist, which is, you know, good. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, and just for the record, it's Travel Foreman who's doing art on the John Ridley, uh, I Am Batman I believe issue. did the art on the Second Son, uh, you know, the, the Digital First series. Mm. Uh, so that basically is just a direct continuation, it seems like, in, in pretty much all respects. Yeah, it feels very much like the uh, Second Son is, is a prologue, and then this is kind of where the, the real story with them kind of yeah. kicks off so uh all neat stuff uh a lot of bad stuff uh or it's not even that a lot of bad stuff's coming i mean there's a couple of you know there's one new book and there's a, an extra one shot i suppose but it, it's more so much that it, everything that the bat world is building to is just it's actually going to pay off in a big sort of story that's going to ripple through the, the all the corners of it which is how you should do a like a sort of event style thing that the other books tie into because it feels like they're all part of it anyway uh, it, it feels like there is some very good editorial work going on at DC right now. I think that's true. I won't, I won't necessarily say across the board, but certainly in the, the bigger families right now, it feels like there's a good consistency I, between them. I agree, which is why I didn't specify just in the Bat family. I just, you know, in D- at DC in general right now, I think the editorial departments are all doing real good job. Is it possible that uh, Dadio's exit and the others who went around that same time were actually for the best? It's it's not impossible. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, just, I said on Twitter today, I tweeted right after I read two books. I won't say what they are yet, but uh, I just tweeted that I think DC's ongoing mainline books right now are in a better place than they were in the early days of Rebirth. And I loved those early days of Rebirth for a lot of reasons, but I think there's a level of quality and things going on right now that... Uh, I think I'd- Probably agree with that. Like I tweeted, um, you know, expect some high scores from me this week because I read like three issues in a row that I gave, you know, all very high scores to. And I'm like, this is turning out to be a very good week so far. Hmm. So, uh, Justice League and two others, right? Got it. Uh, 
so the other... I, I thought of Justice League. The, the other news uh, that I've got here is that uh, have you missed those 80th anniversary 100-page Super Spectaculars? Because there's one coming at the end of August. <sighs> Bloody hell, I haven't even read last month's 100-pager yet. <laughs> well, last week's, whenever it was. Last week's, yeah. Yeah, but that wasn't yeah. an anniversary. That was a... a it was a special. That yes. was a special for a, a, a good cause. This this was um, uh, celebrating a character's birthday, essentially. So uh, Aquaman is the one who's up next for the treatment. Um, end of August, you know, 100-page, $10 book. Uh, a whole host of creators. Dan Jurgens, Jeff Johns, Brandon Thomas, Chuck Brown, Stephanie Phillips, uh, Michael Marecci, Margaret Bennett, Dan Waters, Jeff Parker, Becky Clooney, and Francis Manipal. Uh, interestingly, some of those names are obviously equally, if not more, associated with the art, but that's not the artist list. The artist list includes Steve Epting, which is a big A, uh, Paul Pelletier, Valentine Delandro, Henry uh, Parasita, Pop Man, Trungles. Who's Trungles? I, I feel like no I'd, idea. I'd recognize Trungles when I see see I, that in a, a list. I, to be fair, I do, do recognize most of these names, yeah. but Trungles is not one. Yeah. Uh, Miguel Madoncha, Doc Shader, and more to be announced. Um, so I would say, obviously, the writers list there heavily outweighs the artist list that we've been given so far so it's possible that some of those writers are also oh yeah i mean in their own as well yeah it wouldn't surprise me if uh you know manipul's doing his own art manipul definitely clunan could go either way because obviously clunan's writing quite a bit at the minute including wood woman yeah uh honestly the most exciting thing out of that list for me is just seeing jeff parker's name there again because i've not seen him in a dc book in a while and i'm i'm down for more dan waters as well personally and I uh, I really liked his stuff on Aquaman, uh, at the time. So I was I was fun. Uh, we didn't get enough of it. Yep. So uh, I am pleased with that. So there you go. Aquaman 80th anniversary. Super spectacular. They still call it a super spectacular. Or am I just saying that because all the last ones were? <laughs> it is. It's still a super spectacular. All right. It is. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, good to know. Complete with all the dec- decade variants as well. That'll be funny. His, his hair's going to just grow each cover. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at them like, yeah, Robson Roker for the 2010s. I'm like, yeah, that's probably a fair representation of 2010s Aquaman. Yeah. Um, oh, Simonson for the 60s. That's an interesting one. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that, yeah. Mm. That's, that's neat. That's neat. Uh, so there you go. Uh, if, if anything, the only robbery there is uh, no... Um, Oh, what's his face? From 25 onwards, come on. Oh, uh, Sejic. Sejic, yes, yes. There's a lack of Sejic in those variant covers. I, I, I know Sejic's wanting to do less, you know, work for hire, do more creator-owned stuff and whatnot, but a variant cover won't, won't kill, kill the bastard, will it? I don't think it would. I don't know. Who knows? He did, he did have some health issues, I think, that slowed him down. So maybe uh, it would. True, true, true. I mean, I mean, if that's the case, fair enough. But and, and this is a really bad week to talk about artists working themselves to death. And, you know, that happened. It did? Yeah, the, uh, the guy, uh, I, I can't remember the name for the life of me, uh, Japanese uh, manga created uh, Berserk. I don't he know died what, in like his I don't mid-50s know what, this week. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but sure. Uh... She said that as if I know what it very, is. Very long-running manga with anime adaptations. Very popular. Like, one of the most famous ones. You know, it's a big one. Well, I'm sorry to hear that the, the, the poor guy uh, worked himself to death. That's, uh, 
it's just unfortunate for many a reason. Uh, the first one being death, but other ones too. Um, mm. But yes, I'm afraid I'm not familiar uh, with the work or indeed the news. So I, I, have not, I have nothing to add. Not really your scene. No, no. But you just, you blindsided me with, uh, you can't say that joke this week. This doesn't make you feel bad. I don't it really works. feel, I don't feel bad. I, mm, never mind then. I don't know. No one can blame me for shit in this conversation. <laughs> um, and people who know me well enough know that I'm not going to know what. Berserk? Berserk. There you go. Berserk, yes. So. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, I want to say Bizarro just for the, the synergy, but. Hey-ho. You knew it wasn't quite right. No. Uh, so there you go. That's uh, so Unless you have any news you would like to add. Uh, I'm assuming you spoke about uh, Alyssa Wong last time. Just, you know, more on... I know you, I know you like sales figures. Tynan tweeting out, and it has been confirmed by Newsarama that uh, the orders for Nice House on the Lake are currently over 100,000 copies for issue one. Mm. Well, that's good, then. I, I know uh, just, you know, we were talking a few weeks ago about his sales on Summer's Killing the Children and how, oh, yeah, that must be outselling Batman. Um, Batman, apparently, the minute is, is uh, selling 200k plus an issue at the minute, uh, hmm. consistently. Again, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say, it's funny how within a year of all of our ways of seeing the numbers disappearing, that all of a sudden everything's selling so well. <laughs> I, I will say part of that is that there are a lot of variants going on right now. It's also very good right now. I mean, that's also another factor. That helps, yeah. Um, and I will say, you know, these are being as as independently verified as someone like Newsarama can do. Um, we, I, I have to take their word for it that they're verifying this officially okay. and they're not just, you know, making a bullshit right. because, you know. That means comics are in a better place than they were the last time we had consistent sales figures and it definitely means that Tynan's stock as a creator is through the roof, which is fine, good news, because I like his work. I actually think it's very plausible that comics are in a better place right now, because I think, you know, everyone got stuck at home for a year, and I'm sure a lot of people started reading more stuff, including comics, and maybe some of them stuck with it. True, true, true. Um, I wonder how it's affected digital as well, because, you know, for a long time, getting to a store or waiting for, you know, very long, you know, delayed deliveries and things like that, I wonder if that drove digital up a little bit and maybe got a few people used to it. Uh, could well have done, actually. Yeah, just like especially outside the US where deliveries became very infrequent and very... Yes. You know, and, you know, I mean, it, even it, in markets like the UK where we're pretty consistent with comics yeah, on the US digital, we had problems. It was, ba- it was bad in the UK, but you have to imagine the UK is one that would probably fare better than a lot of other places given how other places get things late in general anyway, never mind during yeah. the last year so uh yeah i'd be very curious to see that but hey ho um yeah no that's interesting, that's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's the, I, I can only hope tom taylor and ram v's numbers are, are going up because they deserve the numbers to go up uh they do they so, do um more than that well more than one of them later well i mean you'll talk about a little bit about ram v i suppose but i mean uh, you will as well Oh yeah, of course. I'm forgetting. Bloody I'm, idiot! I'm forget. I'm forgetting Catwoman's out this week as well. I was just thinking forgetting one. Uh, sure, I can't even say like uh, one of the best books this week because I mean it's a very good week. But uh, you know, in, in times gone by, I might have said you know the best book this week. I might have put that bold statement out there. But I mean, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. 
Well, it's got, it's got stiff competition right now. So you actually, you said earlier you hadn't read the 100-page uh, festival celebration thing from last week. I, I, I remember the title. It was such a convoluted title. But the, you know, it's the special 100-page Asian superhero special. Yeah. Um, there's a very interesting story in there that was by Ram V that relates heavily to a character in Catwoman, which I will bring up when we get there. If you haven't heard what it revealed, uh, you're then a lot of context will probably be lost on me. Then, and again, well, I still plan on reading that issue. I, I, but, you know, with a hundred pages to fit in before all these books. I wouldn't say it's super relevant, but let's just say I was paying a lot more attention to a character in the issue because of what the uh, the special revealed about shows. So, okay, interesting. I I don't know what it possibly revealed, but. I'm sure we'll get there in, in due time. <laughs> uh, and everyone else already knows except me. Yeah. But... <laughs> it's a shame Matt's not here to explain because Matt, Matt went into the history and talked about everything that it, it kind of like brings back and so on and so on. But anyway, I'll, 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 I'll give you the, the, the quick bullet point <laughs> later um, cool. when we're in that book because obviously either way, just blow spoilers out of timestamps before we get into each thing. Uh, so we all start off with the new book. So Wonder Girl issue one by Joel Jones, writing an art. Uh, yes. Of course. No longer a mini, of course. No longer a mini, just an ongoing book. Uh, which you know, obviously, we're not upset by, uh, or at least in theory. I mean, we'll talk about. Yeah, yeah. Say, like, or are we? Uh, we'll talk about how we feel about this issue, I suppose, and see if we do have a, a change of opinion on that. Um. So this issue, of course tries to set up the context well i won't even say i mean obviously it's setting up but i won't even say set up i'll say more tease the context of yara floor and the greater wonder woman and even dc you know universe but certainly in the wonder woman corner of it and potentially throwing some interesting swerves into what she might represent to all the other characters uh, and you know what her place is in between all of these other wonder woman characters and you know the opening you know teases some of her backstory uh you know we see seemingly uh, i assume her mother um essentially being killed uh with a dude who looks a lot like aries uh, with that helmet very suspiciously like Ares. It, yeah. it never names him never does no it's very much the the typical design of Ares with the the helmet blacked out like that. Yeah, this was this was a very effective opening, I thought, because it, it did this thing where all of the narration boxes, or not even narration, but the the, the text boxes, they're all they're all dialogue from like, the plane. Because obviously, they, we had that two three page story from before and whatever. It was in Infinite Frontier Zero, actually, I believe. Was it Infinite Frontier Zero? So there you go. I think it was. Yeah. Once once again, Carter's an idiot. But well, uh, well, I was there. I remember the event. <laughs> But you know, it was that tea. She was going. She was going to Brazil. She get on a plane, and that was that was basically the whole thing. She's on a plane. <laughs> she's going on a plane. So, well, you can read this, and you get from the dialogue that she's on a plane because it's like, oh, ladies and gentlemen, fasten your seatbelts. We're going to be descending. Blah blah. Um, but it was kind of neat to start this and go. Oh, that's right. She was going on a plane. <laughs> like it was. Just, yeah. It was. It was a nice it, follow on from that little completely piece. unnecessary. Like if you didn't read that, you missed nothing. Basically, no. especially as that was one of the smallest parts of that issue. And this here. It jumps right in. It doesn't reference anything. It just follows on from it. Yeah, there's definitely. But I think you have to read that issue for certain other things going on in DC because, like for Batman, for example, the stuff that it set up for the Bat World going forward was significantly bigger yeah. compared to this. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
But yeah, for just the sake of this book, yeah, it wasn't exactly essential. It was just a, a, a little tease and that was all. I think it'll still be really nice because they'll probably throw that in the trade and it'll it'll flow into the, you know, don't, you don't even need to put an issue break in there, I think, for that first one. No, just no, put no, those, no, no. Like, I, three pages. I think you do. So what you do, you put that three-page story before your title page, uh, before your credits. You put that before everything in the issue. You set it up as like a, 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 a cold open. You could do, yeah. And then you get the title page with the credits and the copyright and all that, and then you get to issue one. That's, I think that's what you do in the trade. That's, that's my advice, DC. Let's do see the, if they take it. Do the three-page cold open. Uh, all right. So, you know, after that one blank page, you always have, because you always have that one black page before you get to Obviously, anything. yeah. 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 But it's a really, you know, it's a, to get to this, it's a nice open, because you know immediately it's like a, a dream of some sort, you know, because you, cause you've got the, the real-world narration over it. Again, say narration, you know, the, the plain monologue. Yeah, the, because you, I, I think why it contrasts so well is because it's such just a monotonous, well, I wouldn't say lifeless, but it's you know it's just a, an everyday thing. You're on a plane, routine. you hear the yeah, you hear the routine, you hear the, you know, we we all recognize this speech in some fashion or another, um, and it's yeah, just, even if you've even if you've never been on a plane, you've you've seen a movie or a TV yeah. show where you've heard this speech over and over because it's the same, you know, it, it might vary slightly on the wording depending on your airline, but. More or less. You can, I, can, I mean, to be honest, when it starts off, I can hear the little noise that it plays before they start talking. Little ding dong. Yeah. Which, again, not, yeah. maybe not every airline uses, but it's been used in enough movies that I can hear that noise before yeah. they start saying it. Uh, but what's so effective is that, you know, the, they're fighting this battle, all, all of these uh, women, Brazilian Amazons, I don't know if that's the correct term we're supposed to use here, but... Um, and Yara, not willing, as a child, not willing to stand down, grabs a knife, runs up, and stabs maybe Ares in the leg. And Ares, of course, isn't that hurt by it, but he's like, well, I have been challenged, I must kill this child, as unfortunate as that is. And then... He just looks out and goes, oh dear, I do hate the optics of killing a child. But, you know, he has to do it, because that otherwise he's weak, because he's not killed someone who's deemed to stand up against them. And... Again, it's pr- presumably her mother comes over and offers herself instead, and we get this kind of tragic. So, but what's what, what's so good about this is obviously it gives us the, the the tragic and for the most part mysterious past where it doesn't seem like Yara specifically remembers this in detail. Um, this this you know dream might be even not as clear to her as as to us in terms of the context and what's going on, but. The best thing about it is that it shows her character, even as a child, and like that. This this sets the table. This is like giving you a taster of this is who she's going to be. She's going to be willing to run in, uh, even if sometimes it may be the stupid choice because she's not willing to let the villain just get away with it, no matter what the context is. Um, you know, at least that's where she'll start. Maybe she'll learn lessons. She'll you know she'll grow from there, or whatever. But uh, this this is this was character appetizing. At its best, uh, immediately right at the start of the issue. Yeah, it was real great stuff, and, and of course the art here is gorgeous. Uh, and lots of deep bold colors, uh, all, all in like blocks as well. Uh, it's not like super realistic detailed. It's like yellows against grays, reds, purples. It's all just in in big blocks of chunks of you know people in one color, backgrounds in another. Yeah, notably. The characters tend to be in the sort of the grey colour. Uh, the exceptions being when someone's actually in a moment of like 
violence. When the combat itself yeah. happening, they're in red. Yeah, because when she stabs him in the leg, like both her and him are red, but the rest of the pages are both grey. Yeah, uh, it's similar on the, the very first page when the actual battle's happening, they're all in red, except for like her and her mother, yeah. who are oh, we, we're saying mother, but you know the, the ones hiding are, you know, are in the the grey purple. Yeah, and then the same with the the beheading as well. Uh, red for that page. Uh, not notably or that panel, sorry, and red for also the reaction panel of Yara, who does seem to get some blood on her face, and that's maybe why it's still red because the effects of that violence is still infecting the panel. Then, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So so as the issue goes on, and Yara's talking to this other passenger on the plane about um, you know, she's coming to Brazil. Her aunt never wanted to take her there. Who looks after her? But all of a sudden, it kind of makes sense. Assuming this one who holds her at the end of this scene and the dream, or the flashback, whatever you want to call it, presuming this is the aunt, uh, or at least someone who knows what happened there, you can probably get why she doesn't want her to ever go back there, or even talk about, like, their time in Brazil, and the, the you know, this, this past. Like, no, 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 you're, you're away from that, you, you're you not part of this lineage, but we're just over uh, yeah. here. Especially as the, the next few pages go on as well, after this, where you go, you see, you know, people reacting to her presence in Brazil, and you're like, oh, okay, There's maybe she was kept away for a reason. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that separately, because I think that's very specifically odd how everyone seems to feel yeah. or sense that she's in her homeland again, and uh, what that maybe means. I want to say that there's a really inventive uh, layout, which doesn't look inventive at a glance, uh, this first page in the plane, where she's talking to the old woman. I really uh, like this as well. Um, where... It actually snakes around the page, even though it looks like a pretty typical, just, you know, boxes of, you know, typical comics. But the, obviously the, the bubble sort of takes you across instead of going down to the panel underneath because of this, because it looks like two columns effectively, but it's not. And now you read it. And you know to go back across just by the way, there's no overlapping bubbles in this time. The bubbles aren't even like leading your eyes mm. in a certain direction, but just because of where the actual panel placement is, where it's kind of between the two um, yeah. in terms of just its height. You know to go back across and then down. It, it, it just it flows so well. It, and like I say, it could easily have just been two rows or you know a, a just a standard Most, block of you know six. Yeah, I think mostly I'm just impressed that it never became an issue. It never became a problem. It was just always it still made sense the whole time. And yeah, I think the effect that it gives doing it this way, as opposed to just having a more traditional layout, um, which would be safer. <laughs> you know, and, and a lot of artists should go the safe route because sometimes they do mess it up. Um, is that it kind of like if I'm I always like to compare panel layouts and panel sequencing to movie editing because it's how I can sort of phrase it in a way that it, you know it translates and I can sort of explain what I mean by the effect. This to me is the effect you have in a movie scene where you're not cutting to a new scene but you're sort of chopping up the scene so there's kind of a flow as it jumps from one part of the scene to the next part of the scene but yeah. but there's there's clearly chunks cut out of it but it still flows really well as if the conversation isn't being interrupted and it's kind of a, obviously a really movie fake movie thing because no conversation actually exists that way but it kind of flows on as if the conversation is going by even though there's these jumps in time and the actions yeah. i think as well just like if you put this as because it's essentially six panels ignoring the very final one um if you if you take it as six panels and just lay it out as a, as a grid it's fine. It, it would work. It, you, it would read functionally well enough. But I think the fact that you have to like move your eyes across, back and forth, gives it this physical jump that you're doing that makes the, the passage of time seem a lot clearer than just move to the next panel because you're going backwards and forwards. I just realized the uh, the shape almost. It almost makes a, a, a Flash logo, the way you read it. 
Because you start up at the, the plane at the top, right? Yeah. And you sort of go diagonal to her looking at her brochure, and you have to go up to the, the right again for the next of the, you know, the uh, the air hostess. It's like directly across, yeah. yeah. And then, okay, you just go straight down there, but then you go diagonally down again to the other side. Yeah. And, then, and then you go almost directly across to the other one, and you go di- diagonally down again. It's, it's, you get a bit of a lightning bolt kind of <laughs> shape. You through, do, yeah, yeah. Through the ordering. It's very interesting, very, very... Uh, but it's notable that as soon as she, you know, she, 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 someone's got a sign out, you know, saying, you know, John McLean, Mr. McLean, whatever. And she's like, ah, California, and she's complaining, right? And, and she's annoying this, this poor old woman who's just try, tried to be polite, and, and and then by the end of this, she's like, oh, thank God, freedom. Don't have to listen to her anymore. Yes. And for anyone who thought I was just talking nonsense there, go watch Die Hard, you filthy casuals. <laughs> so, um, I assumed everyone knew what you were talking about there. I, I, just, I know there's going to be someone going, what's he talking about? She's not in California, she's in Brazil. She's not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yeah, we, we cut to Themyscira, and notably Nubia here, uh, which, by the way, I love seeing this take because all, all i've seen in nubia at least recently has been the backup from uh the future state stuff right um yeah. and I, I love how much older she appears here she looks like a sort of you know not, not like an old person but like a you know a woman, like a grown woman who's now like you know like 30 or whatever and uh, you know is queen nubia and queen nubia yeah and she's tough and she you know she, she looks really I, I don't know uh strong and imposing but not in like a like a intimidating way but more in a sort of like you know, like a strong ruler. She looks like she's she, she looks like the part of leadership. Yeah, she she's got yeah. she's got the cred. Um, and now we go to Mount Olympus. I just want to say, by the way, oh. I, lo- I love the sequence of these pages. Um, where the the the, the names of the places come up and they're very stylized mm-hmm. and it's it's very different from the rest of the book and it feels very <sighs> classical. Uh, you know, in in, in that sense, uh, it is harkening back to those things. It's very different to everything else in the book, which feels very modern. Yeah. Um, yeah, we go to Mount Olympus. We hear Hera also react to this, um, which is stronger. It, it kind of progressively in some ways gets stronger because she drops a glass. Whereas before it was just kind of like, hey, is it is it possible that you know so and so is back in Brazil? And then we get to uh, uh, Bana. Make that. Do you know what this is? Are these characters? Yeah, the, these are <laughs> these are the Amazon tribe that uh, Artemis is from. Ah, okay. Well, I mentioned Artemis here, actually. You're right, but yeah, um, I'm less familiar with these characters. So that's one, uh, like they're not used as often. But yeah, th- th- you know, they, it, they, they, this is a thing. It paints this picture that everyone is reacting, and that's the thing. Is the next page is this two page layout where Yara's walking outside the airport, and there's all these panels around her of just everyone in the DC universe essentially reacting, and this is including like Nightwing and Batman and Superman and Catwoman, and you know. Yeah, uh, and it's mostly just you know panels taken verbatim from them books. Like we, you know, I recognize most of them. Mm. Um, obviously, there is uh one or two from the Future State, uh, you know, Wonder Woman issues, or was it Wonder Woman that we had? Was it was her book just called Wonder Woman in Future State? No, that was the other one. Hers was because the other one was Immortal Wonder Woman. Oh, in that case, it was just Wonder Woman then. Was it just Wonder Woman? Yeah. So there's a couple of panels from that in there, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, no, but it's just, you know, it's just a fun two-page. Uh, but it makes it feel like her stepping back in Brazil is a big deal. Like, for some reason, her going back there and unlocking whatever her potential is going to be 
is going to make major waves for all these, particularly the, the, the Wonder Woman communities that we see. Uh, and we have, you know, a pretty, again, strong showing. You, you have to set up a character, because as much as we've read the two future state issues, we've read the tease from the, the Infinite Frontier issue zero, whatever. It's Not very, everyone has. Yeah, it's very important for issue one. The first part sets up what type of character, her fierce spirit that she has. The second part is about saying, okay, her presence here is a big deal and it's going to create waves. The third part is giving her, giving us more of her current personality with her, you know, this this bus driver and talking to him about the traffic and all the other people in the bus singing and him kind of flirting with her. Uh, it's very pleasant. And this is a good sort of like, okay, here's what the tone of the actual like main part of the book is going to be like when she's interacting with others. But the end of the scene more importantly, is like, okay, here's her hero moment. This is her doing something before she even knows that she's special. This is her doing something because she's just as a hero and she's going to try and do the right thing. Because there's been a car crash and she's going to try and help someone. And it's yeah. like, fundamentals, just all these things, neatly one she's after the other. She's just a good person. Yes. Um. So, really good stuff. I, I thought the art was really good. I, I thought it did a really good job of, without being sleazy, the way that she kind of leans in to check what's happening up ahead. And you can sort of tell the bus drivers, like, damn, <laughs> but without it I being... Her eyes, like, he yeah. was just like, yeah, so many distractions yeah. while he's staring up at her. Yeah, so it, it does this thing of, like, making her feel like, okay, he's, like, so excited that this beautiful woman's in his presence and is, like, getting close to him. But it never feels like he's perving on her or, or the art's being pervy or anything like that. I think, it, I think it's noble that he's looking up at her face yeah. the entire time. I think that's that's what helps here. Yeah. But notice that he, she comes from out of his box, out of his world, and into his world. It's you know, it's, yeah, it's a neat little touch. Uh, but she runs off to go help save someone from a car. Uh, there's an explosion, all the rest of it. They introduce themselves to each other. Uh, his name is Joe, Jao, maybe Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm after him. I have no idea how to pronounce that name. Uh, it's J O and an A with an accent and then an O. So. Uh, if anyone who speaks Portuguese... I, I, I'd have probably said, like, Joao. But Maybe. I don't know. I, I think my biggest mistake I make sometimes with foreign names, or even just foreign words, is that sometimes I, I, I take the, all the vowels too literally, and there's usually less than what I think there is when I actually hear what it's supposed, supposed to sound like. I think what it is as well is, what often happens is, they're still saying all those sounds, they just say it quicker. So it sounds more natural when they say it. They're in there, but when we do it, you know, we break it down a bit more because we're un unsure on how to say it. Hmm. Yeah. Find so that happens a lot. So there's a two-page layout where, going back to the three worlds is what I'll call them, uh, where it sort of follows the conversation. We're all just basically discussing what to do. Like, we have to deal with this, you know? Uh, you know, Nubia is leaving. It's like, oh, you know, we, ha we have to like, get, get her out of there. <laughs> we we kind of let her be in Brazil. Uh, whereas obviously Artemis and her crowd are like, ah, oh, we'll, we'll kill her. <laughs> like, she must be killed. Um, yeah. you know, so. Terra's got her own plan, as usual. Of course. Of course. Um, I, I, I mean, maybe this, uh, Instagram dudes, maybe the, and he's intentionally annoying, don't get me wrong, this is not a critique of the book, but he's definitely the worst character in the book, <laughs> if that makes Yeah, sense. definitely want to punch him in the face. <laughs> yes. But um, uh, that is very, it's it's very much like I say it's exactly what I would expect from this type of person. 
Yes. I just would not like this type of person. I partic- I just particularly hate the phrasing, which I don't think I've heard it phrased exactly this way, is make sure you pound that like and subscribe. I just... I, I've definitely heard that from I, someone. I've heard, I've heard smash that like button. And that's why it's like everyone know just how much I hate the phrase pound that like and subscribe. Are you it, telling me you're not ending the show this it, week with it, that? Even though I fully get behind the idea that you should like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. But I hate the phrasing pound the like and subscribe. But do pound make sure like but do not make both. sure that. to like and subscribe. Stop trying to interrupt me. I'm, I'm, look, I'm trying to do a bit here where I keep saying it over and over again because I'm trying to convince people to do it. And you keep talking over me. Stop it. Right? Do it later. Do it at the end. No, there's a bit. I'm doing it now. It was maybe natural and you're, you're pointing it out. You're ruining everything because you keep addressing it stop it you're the worst you're the place where comedy goes to die yara's uh, at the waterfall and she looks down and there's a big swirly happening <laughs> in the water which is not a big swirly a big swirly yes uh you know big 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 sinkhole looking thing and out comes a chain and pulls her into the water and her cliffhanger at the end of the issue uh, is... Uh, do you know what this creature is? Who this creature is? I'm 90% sure this is a siren, based on the fact that before anything comes out of the water, you hear the music notes. Music out of water in mythology. No, I, I mean, my mind goes straight to a siren. I was just half expecting you to actually name this this being, as if it was something specific. Sirens but... generally don't have a specific name. Well, yes, as okay. a rule. They're just but, sirens. Yeah. She's big, she's snake-like, long, white hair. And, and I think it's as you say a chain comes out, uh, it's very nobly her, you know, uh, bollers, you know, that that she has as as one woman, uh, you know, her lasso equivalent. I'll be honest, I just thought I know what it was called, so I just said chain. Okay, fine, but uh, worth noting that it is bollers. What we know be- bollers. I'm sure they're called bollers. Bollers. I'm sure they're called that. That's maybe a weird I'm- word. I'll leave that word. That's a weird word. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'm misremembering. Which I don't is very know. Possible, I don't know what it's but- called. Uh, 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 Either way, you know, it, it, her lasso equivalent that we know that she has. Uh, very interesting to see it kind of be here. I'm getting, and I know you're going to hate this, but Arthurian vibes. Very Lady in the Lake here with, you know, pre- you know, the Lady in the Lake presenting the sword. I, I'm kind of getting vibes of that here with the Siren presenting the, you know, the, the thing that makes her what she is. Aye, but good. Uh, so, I think it's a, specula- it's a speculation here about... Uh why everyone's scared of her actually accessing her power and what she's going to unleash either in herself or through her enemies that might re-emerge because she's there or, or something like what you know what is the mm. big worry why, why is everyone shitting themselves that yara is going to cause an imbalance and the the wonder force <laughs> or whatever we're calling this <laughs> um it's a good question uh, I don't know exactly. Like, you know, they, they're clearly scared of her, for and, sure. And, you know, I, I was listing all the things this issue one does effectively. Maybe the one I should add on to that is give you a hook, a mystery, something that we don't have an mm. answer for yet, that it's teasing heavily. But uh, so on that front, it does everything an issue one does. It doesn't rush. It doesn't rush to her being in the costume. It doesn't rush to her, you know, being so far. And maybe it helps that we read the Future State two issues. So, you know, we've had her in the costume. We know what she's up like to, to operate as Wonder Woman, this is us getting to take her time, 
and having her reach that point a few issues in when it's natural, when it makes sense, when they've built it up properly. So, yeah, I think if in my head, I'm assuming the first arc of this is still what they pitched originally as a mini, mm. which was what like six issues. So I'm assuming that first six issue mini or so is going to be about her becoming Wonder Girl essentially. I would suspect, yeah, I suspect this is basically a Wonder Girl year one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, even says the end there. Next, a hero's journey begins, which so I, it, it's it begins as you know, implies you know it's not going to be there next issue either. Um, so I would I would say probably not until the end of you know issue five or six we're kind of really at that place, which is fine. Oh yeah, uh, fair thing. I prefer. I I wouldn't want them yeah. to rush, especially anything. when it's this good. No, uh, yeah, it's very good. Uh, the character is so likable and endearing, and I think the way it's teasing like everyone else reacting to her is so good. This is the thing where it's anchored more in the character than it is the mythology. Although, even though it is clearly loving using the mythology and like using that for like these big spectacle moments. But this, you know, because I, I, I do think some people probably get confused as to why I like certain things and don't like other things when, when it comes to this stuff, because you assume, oh, because I, I get really bored by mythology. The main Wonder Woman book, I feel, is the mythology is coming first, and that's the important part. Uh, here, Yara Floor, who her character is, and what she's going to be is the important part. Uh, and I think it's interesting how it does that without actually having that much of her in mm-hmm. this book in this issue anyway because uh like the the start is flashbacky stuff anyway so let's let, not really count that you've got the little bit of her on the plane you got what two pages of that and then you've got the extended sequence of seeing everyone react to her and then you have the stuff with the you know the the bus and the accident so it's it's probably less than half the issue that's actually her character in the present day running, you know, doing stuff, uh, especially with any dialogue. Yeah, it doesn't matter, though, because it, it's one of those yeah. things where the, the other characters are still talking about it. In fact, one of the things that, you know, I always come back to when I'm complaining about the New 52 is how everything felt so insert. And almost every character's book when the New 52 started, it was, the, you know, the main character was in almost every single page, and it felt like the, the, the wider world was either not existing or felt very distant from them. And this is first issue. It makes it feel like part of a world. They've not interacted with her yet, but it doesn't matter. They, you know, they're definitely going to. Like the, yeah. the characters are reacting to her, her existence and what it's going to lead to. Uh, already, it feels like she's part of a, a larger world, and that her existence isn't just defined by her herself. And that's good for storytelling because if your main character is not going to affect that, if everything's just built around your main character. Uh, even though technically that's always somewhat true, if it feels that way, it feels a little bit cold and uh, insular, and this doesn't feel mm-hmm. that already. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 I mean, as far as issue ones go, is is you, know, you don't get much better than this. Uh, no, it's pretty up there. I think the only thing that will like hold it—I say hold it back. I mean, you know, stop me giving it like the highest score possible. Is that? Just doesn't have the the extra wow factor spark that I would give to something like that would be a ten, you know, like where you know oh. it just like comes out of nowhere and blows your mind. Like I think, uh, you know, like like that reaction we had for the the future state issues when that first one came out, we were all just like, wow, this is so fresh. It, it's not quite got that sheen to it, but it doesn't do anything wrong at all. No, I mean alternatively, it could could have hit an emotional beat, which is which is hard to do in an issue one, especially with a pretty much brand new character. You know, barring bar yeah. a couple of issues, she's brand new. So, um, 
uh, yeah, it's, but it's one of those things where it fundamentally does a lot of things right, and it, other issue ones can often fail, especially when they think they can rely on previous things that have, you know, teased or been prologue to the, the main book or whatever. So, uh, no, it, it was basically exactly what I hoped it would be, and uh, teased some more, and gave it a larger context, and uh, I'm looking Very forward... Very excited for more, yeah. Yeah, to the... To the the year one, the origin of, of Yara Floor. And, so. and we can now confirm we are glad that this is no longer just a mini. That is true, yes. We were being cagey before, but uh, yes, this is no longer a mini series. So, uh, what are you giving Wonder Girl? I'm going to give it a 9. Issue 1. Yeah, I was thinking 9 out of 10. Uh, yeah, we talked about the art in the opening sequence, maybe not as much for the rest, but it is obviously very solid obviously the ending with the, the the siren is particularly and of course Connor recognizes siren because his favorite tv show of all time is in fact siren <laughs> it's true yes so wonderful all right uh very expressive i think it was, was the other thing i wanted to add on yara, yara especially would be the word i use yeah. i think so cool Justice League 61, Brian Michael Bendis with David Marquez uh, on the main story. Uh, and we continue the journey to Naomi's homeworld. And this story is pretty simply the kind of the, the first moments of all the league kind of waking up in this world. I actually think there's something interesting to talk about before we get to the story. Uh, and uh, there's an actual recap page. I know Bendis has been sneaking them in. Like, you know, doing like, you know, the, yeah, uh, you know, the back in Superman, you talk about like the desk notes and stuff like that. But this is just a straight up, no, here's a recap page now with text. Yeah, but he's, which... been, he's been doing that as well, though. Like, that, 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 like, through all of his DC stuff in the last couple of years, he's been doing recap pages left and right. <laughs> he has. But I think up until this point, they've all been kind of worked into the art and stuff like that, right? Whereas. Uh, as far as I'm aware, this is the first traditional recap page. That's, you know, no, that's definitely not. It's definitely not. That's, 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 really? That's, that did not even phase me, because he's definitely done this already before. Maybe even the last issue, I just think I had this. <laughs> that, I, 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 I can't remember. I really did but... not like the text on that recap page. I, the colours on the, on the, especially, you know, the, the, like, the neon-y sort of green on the, the lines behind it made it very hard to read for my eyes. I don't know if you felt that. Um... Yeah, I guess. I didn't really think about it too much. I only kind of glanced at it, to be honest, because I didn't need it. <laughs> but That's fair. Uh, yeah. I'd appreciate it. I, I think the thing with uh, the pacing of the story is that it's been so... Uh, you know, it's not been rushing through the story, so I, I didn't feel struggling. Like The big the big cliffhanger from issue two was very easy to remember, so I wasn't... Where, whereas there's books that are definitely arguably better than this was even, but I, I still struggle a little bit to remember exactly you know, what was the last issue. Um, the start of, for example, Catwoman this week, which we'll get to later, uh, I was a little confused at first because I'm like, wait, I, just didn't, I don't remember uh, this has been set up last issue. And then it, but a couple of pages in, it became clear what it was doing. But it, 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 there's a moment where uh, I, I almost doubt that I'm not supposed to know something yet because I'm worried that I've forgotten something from the end of last issue. Uh, it happens, been there. Yeah, it happens to me occasionally with comics. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so... Uh, Brutus, of course... Uh, we start with him and he's, uh, he's, and it's worth mentioning as well that Connor is reading this because of, uh, it's a Patreon pick. Uh, he, yeah. he, he would not choose to read this. He is, oh, no. he and, is made. And for the record, I think this is by far the worst of the three issues. That's interesting. That's very interesting. And 
and I, I think I'll get more into it, but it's beyond just my standard Earl Bendis dialogue critique. I have structural problems with this issue that I really dislike. Uh, you know, uh, might become clear as we talk about it. Sure, sure. Uh, I, I generally pretty enjoyed it. I, I think I enjoyed the various characters and how, how this world's affecting them, where some powers are supercharged and Naomi's kind of fading like Marty McFly <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I kind of, I, I kind of love like just a simple little moment, like Batman, Batmaning her out of the scene because you know she's confronted by a bunch of thugs on on this world, and he throws in a bat like a smoke pellet and then like a batarang, and we just sort of see her like looking over his shoulder as he's presumably whisking her away, you know, with a grapple gun or whatever it is, and then he's like shushing her, and it's like, yeah, I just like imagine the surrealness for her to be Batmaned out of a scene by Batman. <laughs> it's just kind of. Cool. Uh, you know, Canary's power is supercharged, you know, she hits it and it um, sends, like, the shockwaves are so big that everyone goes flying through the air. Uh, and she's like, oh shit, that was bigger than usual. Uh, and this becomes kind of a, like, an anchor point for the issue, as we're, like, as the other characters are kind of waking up, they all at a certain point hear Canary's scream. Uh, yeah. So they're not too far away from each other, they're all in the vicinity enough that they can sort of hear that and... Uh, Even if it is louder than usual. Yeah. So reasonably close yeah they're close enough that they can all get back together again uh, more or less by the end of the issue um so batman's investigating naomi not really sure about anything um that madman bendis actually put in the ducktales trick into the comic which i it took me a second to realize what he just put into it and i'm like oh yeah this is a thing i've heard of this where if you just say ducktales to someone they'll hear the theme tune in their head and it'll calm them down because it's impossible to be tense or agitated when you're going ducktails i can't even do it i can't i can't let's get sick it but yeah please don't try yeah but you'll hear it in your head uh and i think the art in particular naomi's face after she, this moment where it happens it's since she says why did that work i, I think the shock i think it's because you can sort of see her mouth thing like the chin like her mouth is clearly if not whistling then you know making the sound of it um that is, that is a neat touch i thought it was charming i'm sure connor's going to shit all over it in a minute but um so a couple things here i liked uh particularly black adam showing up to help superman because black adam's kind of absent for a while you know he's off off panel as it were until superman's getting his ass kicked now to be fair superman is at a bit of a disadvantage because his heat vision is acting up and he's having to sort of cover his eyes with his hand and he's he's staying up in the sky so he doesn't accidentally hurt anyone He's trying to stay away, all that stuff, uh, and and Brutus starts attacking him. Um, I kind of appreciated some added context here, where they seem to they talk about how this world had its own meta uprising, which is kind of what led to the wars and kind of led to like everything that you know Naomi leaving and what happened with her family and all that stuff. Uh, to the point where the others are like, hey, maybe we should just go look for another world. Maybe like dealing with a world with all these metas is, is something we should just leave leave be. But Brutus is you know arrogant whatever uh but yeah i i particularly like the art though of black adam showing up like that that panel of him like fl hovering over with the lightning coming out of his chest and it's all black behind him black and blue and he says unhand him um there's just a, there's a there's a fun element to him of course like coming to help superman but uh it was particularly imposing i thought uh, I, I actually um, i really like uh the lettering here uh is, is a touch i do like mm. um where the unhand him is actually kind of mostly in the panel above 
and it gives this sense that Adam is so big. Like, yeah, you know, he's so much larger because he's like he's, he's his his voice is imposing across other panels but, in this way. And it's also in the previous panel, so it's also the idea that he hears him say it before he sees him, you know, before he looks over his yeah. shoulder. Uh, yeah, it is really strong lettering work. That so that that is uh, that's solid stuff. So most of the Justice League have sort of assembled by this point, and they run off uh, to where Superman and the fight's taking place. Uh, Aquaman is notably absent, and there's like a page of him like just kind of crying because there's like no water in the world. I think <laughs> was was is that what you He's got? He's like from sensing it? death. Yeah. I'm assuming the death of all the life that was here. Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe all the sea, sea life. Yeah, maybe maybe it's like so much from to bear. Um, even Hot Girl says that she feels kind of supercharged and she feels great despite how, how bad this place smells. Uh, the big cliffhanger of the issue, though, the main story is that when they get there, you know, because you think, oh, Black Adam's here to take on this Brutus bastard, so now you know he's done for because Superman and Black Adam are both there, even with Superman being hampered. But when they get there, Brutus is standing tall and he's got his foot on Black Adam's hand, who seemingly is either at least down, if not unconscious on the ground, which is, you know, a big deal. He took out Black Adam. Which does lead to the question, like, is there anything wrong with Black Adam's powers? Is his powers acting differently? Because everyone else he seems to be on this earth. Now, they are magic-based, I realize, but uh, doesn't necessarily mean that they won't affect that. So, mm. there's questions to to have there. Um, yeah, I, I, I typically... I know everyone else... Or not everyone, but I know a lot of people tend to hate Bendis pacing. Um... I think I kind of like it, especially in a team book, uh, which is uh, which is funny because, of course, the one thing that didn't get right with Young Justice uh, was that Bendis team pacing, which I thought was completely absent. I think it's doing a much better job in this of feeling like why I expect a Bendis team book to feel like, for better or worse, because if you hate that, you hate that. But Yeah, I, 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 that is part of what I hate so much about this issue, is the pacing. Um, in, the, in a, in a larger, larger overall sense, in that this issue does not progress basically at all, because we have the same beat with every character over and over. Like there's, we have the same beat. They 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 wake up. Oh, my powers are mostly supercharged for for the most part. That's the case with most of them. Oh, my powers are supercharged. Right, cool. Let's fight a few people, uh, and then we'll hook up with everyone else at the end of the issue. That's that's it. everyone just has the same beat. <clears throat> and I hate it. Like I, I don't need to see every single character go through this. <laughs> I do not hate it. This is really all I, just, I have. <laughs> it would be. If if they were going through completely different things, I would get it. But like, like I, I I did not have a problem with the the first thing here where we see Canary, you know, oh it's supercharged. I'm like okay, and then you do it again with you do so you do it again with Naomi. I'm like okay, powers are on the fritz. Got it. By the time it's like oh Superman powers on the fritz. Oh look, you know, uh, hot girl. Oh look, she's stronger than you. Like, I'm, I'm I'm bored of this now. You know, everyone's just got the same thing. It's like right okay. It's just it's just a scene of everyone doing the exact same thing of them learning what we know as as a reader. It's like I know their powers are different at this point. I don't need to see this with every single character discover it. And it was just frustrating me by the end. And it felt like we were doing that instead of any actual progression. The only way I'll critique there a little bit or dispute is uh, Superman himself. A because we don't see him discover it. He's already discovered what's going on with them by the time we hear from him. And I do think it's a bit of a wrench compared to everyone else's because his is just outright dangerous and he, he can't control his heat vision. So it is a bit of a different... It's like more of a swerve and a like a, a problem that needs to be solved. I mean... Sure. It's kind of weird watching that, uh, seeing that after this week's uh, Superman and Lois, right? Yeah, it's funny that it kind of 
just to happen to thematically or uh, mechanically touch upon the same idea, but uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it's funny. I, I'm kind of enjoying the the weird dialogue between uh, Brutus and his hench person. Like, I, I think it's it's definitely weird. It's definitely Bendisy. Um, I, what I will critique though is I will say that all of Bendis's villain creations, at least all of the monsters or aliens or, you know, because I'm, I'm sure he's probably created a couple of fun things when he did stuff, you know, he did stuff like Alias, he did stuff like Dirt, the more grounded street-level stuff. I'm sure some of his villains from there probably did feel great and made a, had a lasting impact. But something about every villain that I've seen him create, at least certainly since he, he joined DC, um, some of them are, are fun enough to actually you know, experience in the story itself, right? I think Red Cloud was a fine idea. I mean, probably the most interesting villain he made uh, in the Superman stuff uh, was uh, oh, the woman from Earth 3. I can't remember her name now. This is the problem. Time passes and I forget. But, uh, you know, the, the woman from the head of the secret, like, underground who's been off Superman's radar because she's good at hiding from him, right? All the ideas with her were great. And she's probably the one that's going to have the most lasting impact, aside from presumably her name, but I'm just terrible with names, so I wouldn't read It them. says a lot of that. You're saying that description, I'm like, I thought that was Red Cloud. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, uh, you know, Rogel's are, uh, this, this Brutus guy, like, they're very big and bulky. They, they, I mean, you could probably just swap Zum- their designs. Zumbado, whatever his name is. Yeah. You could just swap their designs, and it wouldn't matter, really. <laughs> like, that's the, the funny thing about it. And I was looking at him in this issue and going, yeah, I'm never going to remember this guy's name in a couple of months, you know, once the story's done. And I'm never really going to remember the design fondly. It has this this problem that I, I have with, um, like, what was this? Like, Gundam and Gundam-style stuff, where I just feel like all Gundam essentially look the same. I mean, they're different colors and stuff, and they have different stripes and whatever, but it all just looks the exact same to me. Uh, I feel like these Bendis big bulky villains all look the exact same to me. They're interchangeable. From a style point of view, I, I would argue, but I, I, do, I mean, the only other one I know I've seen for sure is Rogel's R. I don't remember what Rogel's R looks like. And don't worry, I'm not saying they look the same. Rogel's R does look different from this guy. If you put them side by side, they're definitely different. But what I'm saying is, is they're big and bulky, a little bit over designed, and ultimately, there's nothing simple about them to leave a lasting impression. Where most of the villain designs or even hero designs, they do last. Right? Now, admittedly, one of the things that we have to acknowledge is that, yeah, there's a lot of bad ones from the Golden Age, the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, whatever, that all didn't last. And the ones that we know are the ones that lasted. So it feels like they didn't have as many mistakes. But they definitely did. If you actually go back and read all those issues, there's, there's probably thousands and thousands of failed characters that everyone was glad never came back. Fine. Whatever. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a bit, if, I, I think because we have so much comic history behind us now, it does feel like a bigger deal, at least on a personal level, when a writer tries to create a new villain for for a character or a team. It's very interesting because so far you've kind of been torn on the the design, which theoretically is not Bendis' fault. That would be the artist designing them, unless unless you're assuming this is Bendis' direction to the artist. Is you know big bulky. I, ass- I assume he has some direction uh, for it, uh, but I mean maybe this is my critique of just what a lot of modern designs that you know become the villains and stuff. Um, Obviously, a lot of alterations to like costumes do end up pretty bad, but I do think that on average that tends to work better because I, I think a modern artist can do a oh we'll we'll do a new take on this outfit and 
a lot of the time it'll end up being over-designed, but sometimes it can result in a fun new variation on something. But the fundamentals are still there, and the fundamentals uh, are, are what I feel just feel, I don't know, get really generic with a lot of this stuff. And Do you know, do you know what this guy reminds me of? And this will probably mean nothing to you unless you run a Google it really quickly. But the Kunari from Dragon Age 2, because uh, they redesigned the Kunari in Dragon Age 2. In, in the first one, they just look like slightly bigger people. Um, but with the horns, the like the the kind of greyish skin tone, the big bulky kind of it's it, it's very much they look a lot like that. I, and I'm like, yeah. And again, I'm not saying this looks like this, right? Just in the same way that I wasn't saying this guy looks like a Gundam. I just I'm just comparing the idea that all the Gundam look kind of alike and generic to me. This guy with Rogozar and all these other big guys just kind of look feel big and generic to me. The other example I'd give you from a video game would be that game that came out at the launch of PS5 that I would never play in a million years, but uh, all of the characters in that look just had too much armor on, looked too bulky. Like, everything Warhammer looks really generic and bland to me. Uh, oh, uh, Godfall. Godfall, that's the one. Yes. Yes. That looked like over-designed trash to me as far as design goes on, on those characters and outfits. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not arguing with you on that. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I was feeling it as I was looking at this guy, this issue, but... Uh, I mean, as far as the story goes, I don't necessarily mind the pacing, especially since this is Bendis' one book, and I think because it's not double shipping, because he's not doing, like, five other books right now, it's 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 faring better. Um, I, I think this is... Like, this issue annoys me more that it's not double <clears> shipping, if that makes sense. Uh, in terms of, like, if you're pacing like this for once a month, that's painful. Okay, I'm, I'm cool with it. I, I know Matt uh, implied on Twitter he was still annoyed about all the stuff we debated last time but the naomi stuff the oh what was it mega super or something that they're calling her now batman just like to superman i think she's like a, a mega super oh right i don't know is that what he was complaining about i don't know what he's doing i don't even see him to complain about anything specifically i just saw him say that if he was on the show we'd be debating something uh, well, that, well that's what he was complaining about last time wasn't it the naomi focus Naomi focus but not this mega super thing you're talking about no, no, but I'm, I'm assuming this is an extension of that, like it being an, an Naomi book. It's about her a mega power. Sorry, that's what the what the, the the phrase that Bendis is throwing in here. Yeah, I would assume. Although I I thought I, I felt she was in less of this issue, to be honest. She had, she had that one big scene with Batman and sort of the conversation after. But I I don't disagree. Yeah. Um, I I think she was in less because we did you know the same you know the beat with everyone. Yeah. Um, but I think I assume it's more just oh you know teasing this stuff about her in this book, as opposed to yeah. in her own book in the future. I'm assuming that's what Matt was referring to. I could be wrong, and way off base, but... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not particularly fussed about that. I, I, like, when Bendis is on, I tend to like his dialogue and the characters and all that stuff, but we go through this discussion every week, so I'm not even, or every time is the Bendis issue, so I'm not uh, even going yeah. to go into it again. Uh, but I had mostly a fun time, um, and there you go. And the art's really good, so. The art is good. Uh, you know, the, the art I have very little to complain about. Like, you know, maybe Bruce's design aside. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, but that's the I mean, I mean, not the design's not part of an art thing, because it is, but it, it's one of those things where... We're not going to complain about that every single issue. Yeah. And maybe like, in this case, okay, maybe Marquez is the one who actually designed this guy, because this is where he originated, but... If in the next Justice League story you have to switch artists to someone else and they're still using Brutus, like, I can't really blame the new artist for the, just the design of 
Absolutely. That's, that's Which is why I, you know, I wasn't really, I'm not holding yeah. that against this issue in particular. It's more of a, a general thing, right? Yeah. All right. Well, we have written the, the main story then. Ooh. 3.5. <laughs> Repetitive, um, boring trash. I had a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoyed all the characters uh, discovering how things are. Um, I'm fine with the pacing. Uh, I, I thought the cliff power was good. I really loved the Black Adam moment coming out to save soups. Uh, particularly the art in that as well was, was really good. So, uh, I'm happy to give it the 8. I was debating between the 7.5 and the 8. And I, I think I'm going to stretch to the 8 because it was such a pleasant, easy read. Uh, I'm happy to do it. So, there you go. Uh, but yeah, Brutus is a really generic design. It was last yeah. issue too, but it's just, for some reason it's, it, it 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 was sticking in my head more as I was reading it this issue. But probably because we had scenes of them talking to other characters that weren't in the Justice League. Um, all right, backup story again. You need to talk about that. Justice League Dark. Yeah, the thing. Yeah, it's it's bloody good, is what it is. Uh, it picks up exactly where we left off. Um, which is worth knowing because obviously last issue we actually had a bit of a gap between things, uh, but this time we do pick up exactly where we picked up with Ragman in the bookshop fighting the mythical creatures that have been brought to life by Merlin out of the book. Um, Manticore, specifically, is what he's fighting when we see him. It's very librarians, this, actually. Um, you watch some librarians, right? Nope. Did we not do the first season of that? Re- nope. Okay, fair enough. Never I thought we did. A, never seen an episode of it. <laughs> it's got, it's got your, your, your boy from Angel in, so I thought maybe, maybe you did. But Lindsay from Wolfram and Hart, you think he's yeah, a selling yeah. point for a whole show? It's a bit of it's a, very good in it, to be fair. It's a bit, it's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> he's very good in that show. It's, 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 a, it's a shockingly enjoyable show. I recommend it. But anyway, um, this is a, it feels totally like it's it's cribbing from some of that stuff. And I'm, I'm having fun with that because that's great. Um, but the rest of the Justice League Dark, uh, you know, show up to, to come and help deal with the creatures. Uh, Zatanna does some backwards magic to bind them back into the pages, essentially. Uh, so, they, you know, they're, they're no longer causing chaos. And they talk about, okay, well, what does Merlin want? And they're like, oh, well, they conclude he's after this this book uh, that may or may not exist, the Eternity book. Um, he's like, they're like, oh, we don't even know if it ever existed. But Constantine's like, well, if it did, if it ever will exist, it'll be in... Uh, this mythical library, the the Library of Babel, which, interesting, you know, the the book that uh, Merlin brought all this stuff to life from was uh, this Borgia's book, or his original works, the manuscripts, and it's from one of his stories that this Tower of Babel exists, uh, where it comes from. So it's it's that's why it seems Merlin was bringing that into the real world or bringing it to life as somewhere that he could access, as opposed to the the creatures were just a a byproduct, so to speak. You know, they were a side effect of just the thing that he actually wanted. Um, so they go there, and it's a very interesting design. It's it's an infinite library where it's an infinite sphere, each made up of hexagonal rooms that are just, you know, slot into place forever, basically. And every book that's ever been written or will be written is in this place. It's like outside of time. It's very much... I'm getting vibes of the the dreaming library from Sandman, and the the final beat is you know 
they go in there, you know, they go to see essentially the librarian to try and find it. Because, you know, they're never going to find this one book in all this, but maybe he might. And I don't know if it's supposed to be him, but there's there's, there's enough there that it's like, this could be a redesign of Lucian uh, from The Dreaming. I'm like, maybe, maybe this is. And the lettering strongly reminds me of Lucian from Sandman. It's just a significantly younger look. Um, but it's got a bow tie, so I'm like, maybe, maybe this is Lucian. It'd be very interesting if it is, if, if we're going to be playing with the dreaming stuff. Uh, always love it when DC Universe kind of plays with the Sandman stuff. Uh, all that stuff is great. There's a, there's a very small subplot as well where the the knight, the female knight who was guarding the grail that Merlin stabbed, that we assumed was dead, um, is not. Uh, they find she's in a, she's in a hospital, they've they found her and put her in hospital. She recovers in like a matter of hours. And she is hearing uh, a voice of someone. Uh, it's very unclear who, um, but it, it starts giving her instructions. And it's like, hey, you know, follow my voice. I'll lead you to me. And she gets on a plane. She does some magic to show them that she has a passport. Uh, very Doctor Who uh, psychic paper. That's what, what it is. Um, and it shows she's landing in Gotham. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, I, don't, I don't know exactly where that's going, but she's you know, en route. It's tying in with this stuff still. Uh, it's still teasing, you know, Merlin doing his own thing, and we're not entirely sure of why. But I'm really into it. And for ten pages, this packs a lot in. Like I said, you know, uh, it's broken up into three sections with the the subplot with the the knight in the middle. Uh, but it feels like it moves at a really good pace that gives you a lot of flow and story. It's it's densely packed, but not awkward or unwieldy to read. It's it, it's got a real good flow to it. Um, art's really solid still. Uh, the, the page that reveals the library uh, is particularly fantastic because it describes it as a sphere made up of the hexagonal rooms. And it's, it's a really smart thing where it, it's this kind of two-page thing where we see all the hexagonal rooms inside a circular layout which uh, it has this really nice effect uh, great stuff yeah uh, i mean this backup probably like an 8.5 okay cool i was totally listening and paying attention to all of that yes yes i'm sure you were uh, <laughs> all right uh very good okay the Flash, 770. Jeremy Adams writing with Kevin McGuire, Jackson Herbert, and Brandon Pearson on art. Did you read uh, this? I did. I can tell you now it'll be the last issue I do read because I thought it was thoroughly mundane. I thought it was alright. Uh, I had fun with the last issue. I had a decent amount of fun with this one. I thought there was some nice moments. Uh, obviously too many artists. is a definitely oh, yeah. complaint. Um, I thought the art was good at the start. Like, I actually kind of liked the deep shadows and, you know, the, the early J stuff. I, I really don't like their faces in that first couple of pages. Uh, but, uh, uh, the faces I didn't like. Barry Allen, when it cut back to, like, the, you know, the trio in present day, Barry Allen in some panels, like, had this really round, childish-looking face at, at times. It was really all over the place uh, in I'll that be honest, sense. I don't think I really like much of the art in this issue. Which is, you know, it's, it's not even like, oh, it's just that there's different artists, which is never good, but I don't particularly love any of it. No, I, I like the first art, uh, the first batch of uh, pages. 
uh, which is Jay getting this mission from the president to go with the Ray uh, to try and steal the Spear of Destiny. I'm actually curious to think, see what Matt thinks of this issue because it's very Indiana Jones, Jay Garrick uh, in a lot of ways. Still reading, is Matt reading this book? Because I know he didn't read the last issue. Uh, I don't know if he's reading, but he may catch yeah. up. I don't know. Uh, that would be a very Matt thing to do, wouldn't it? Uh, but no, I was, I was into that on the first uh, batch of pages. Uh, so... So we actually get a little bit of Jay here before Wallace shows up. This makes it, again, I liked how this shook up the formula because it wasn't just, okay, we're starting where we left off when Wally jumped in in Jay's body at the end of last it's issue. It's like half the issue before Wally shows up. Yeah, which is good, I think. I, I like all the context and the fact that there's a story ongoing when Wally interrupts everything and it becomes this thing. I also love that in present day, uh, Barry calls Jay and says, hey, do you remember this this mission from the 40s? Can you, can you tell me about it? Like, what's, what's going on? Uh, and part of the reason, obviously, you know, going after an artifact like Spirit Destiny is very Indiana Jones, but what really made me feel Indiana Jones, other than the fact that there's also Nazis, is the guy who actually gets there first and has the spear, has the hat on, he, he reminds me a lot of the villain from the first, you know, from Raiders of the Lost Ark. I can yeah. see it. Uh, I was getting vibes of that guy. Uh, so, because he has it, he's able to disable the powers and he, you know, takes them both prisoner. Uh, and Hitler's in this book, Hitler gets the spear. And he's all ready to uh, to do his he's thing. He's the Ubermensch. He's there, which was the, you know the, the end of the last issue. That was the tease that moment. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff here where you know Wally's now in Jay's body, uh, like is talking to them in present day, and Ray's like, "Who are you talking to? Why is he crazy?" Because what part of the thing before this is that Ray's like uh, atheist, and he, he kept saying that you know, he didn't believe in a god because you know Jay, you know, prayed a couple of times or whatever, and. He basically, when Jay was dying as they were being held prisoner, he said, okay, you know what, God, fine. Like, please, if you want to pull off a miracle, do it now. Uh, and then that's when he gets hit by the lightning and Wally is in his body. Uh, but then he's very confused as to why, you know, from his perspective, Jay is acting so weird and seems to be talking to other people and saying things like, Google it. Like, Google the layout of this, this ship so he can get me a way out and things of that nature. Yeah, and he's literally going, it's in the past, I'm sure you can find it. Yeah. Uh, he's got a point. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. I, I think that's fair. Uh, so, it, so it's got them dressing up. Uh, we get you know punching of of Hitler, which is actually a J. Uh, basically, he stops their uh, uh, conscious minds, but technically that only disables Wally. So J gets back in control and is able to punch Hitler. Uh, it's kind of the big, the big moment. Um. I actually thought this was a nice little Golden Age style story with you know, with the Wally spin on it. Um, I like that it felt different from the last issue. And I think, again, you know, my bigger complaints with this 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 arc was really right at the start when it was, you know, having to lead in heavily into the why is Wally wanting to retire and, you know, the Heroes in Crisis stuff. Once it got going, it, don't get me wrong, it, it's, it's far from the best of what DC's putting out right now. But I this is a fairly enjoyable sort of romp of a story with with uh, various flash history and playing with things. I mean, obviously the final page, when Wally jumps again to whoever's going to, whatever speedster he's going to next, not only is he jumping to Thawne in reverse flash, but he's jumping to a very classic-looking Legion of Superheroes art style. Uh, and I, I kind of popped, because you know, I, I liked the end of the last issue, when it was, when it was like, oh, he's going to be Jay next, and it's going to be in the 40s. Like, oh, that's a really cool idea. Um, so far, I think they've done a good job of ordering what these different uh, 
speedsters and places are. Because I think the least interesting one was the first one, at least, you know, face value. You know, obviously, I did enjoy the story once it actually played out. But at face value, it was the one that was like, oh, okay, Flash goes to the future, and there's a bunch of, like, sci-fi stuff going on. It feels like, you know, we've seen that more than anything when it comes to Flash. Um, yeah. But, you know, then you go to Jane the 40s, and then you, you go into this Silver Age-looking Legion of Doom at the end. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, you know what? This is progressing where each new era that he's going to, each new sort of scenario is almost more interesting than the last. Or at least, if not more interesting, the Jay Golden Age stuff, it's at least different enough that I don't feel like we're retreading ground, and it's interesting on its own right that I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm game for this. I'm game for an issue with him pretending to be evil and the, the comedy that might come out of that whilst trying to solve whatever the, the, the Speed Force problem is in this era. So, um, yeah. Uh, I had fun. The art is definitely, you know, all over the place. I don't. I definitely don't like the the modern trio art uh, with them. No, and I have some real uh, pacing problem with the modern stuff as well. In terms of the, the 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 breakdowns of the art, there's no. There's a bit where it cuts back to them, and Ollie goes, "You know who has the spear now?" And then Barry goes, "Wally, who has the spear?" And I can. I know there should be a pause in there, but where Wally's not answering because he doesn't want to say it, and it's like Wally, who has the spear? And that's what he goes, you know, Hitler has the spear. But the the way it's kind of paced on the page, the, you know, they, they both just ask the question right after each other. There's no pause, there's no break. There's, there's nothing to give me any reason why they should just ask it. That's a fair critique. That said, though, when he did have to say Hitler, I still laughed a little bit. Because it's the worst possible answer. It is the worst possible it, no, answer you could it, give. It, it, it is. And I think that that's why it annoys me more. Because, like, I can see that joke. I can see it being paced really well and it being funny. But the way it was, I was just like, this just, it, I think it was told quite badly. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I'm assuming that's, that's presumably an art problem, not breaking it down into, into enough panels. Um, unless the script explicitly said it was in, on these panels, you know, and then give a panel layer. I don't know how the, the relationship's working from, from that side of things. But either way, I just, I felt it kind of ruined the pacing of that entire joke for me, and it could have fell flat, unfortunately. One thing I will also say I like about this is I'm liking more and more Wally's voice in the narration, particularly. Uh, when I was reading his narration early on, it was definitely reminding me of like classic Wally as the Flash narration. I was feeling that voice coming through again. Um. You know, I felt like I was reading Johnsy's Flash or I was reading whatever. You know, it, it kind of felt of of that uh, in tone, and uh, you know, I appreciate that. It's, it's not that it's doing a knockout story by any means, or it's just doing the next big epic that's going to be remembered fondly. But uh, you know, if this is the solid, you know, seven or thereabouts out of ten Flash book that we've got for a while, I'm not that mad, really. I mean, they can't all be the you know the the home runs that many of the other books are right now. Uh, that's okay. No, I, I think because of all the baggage coming into this series, and because the Future State stuff was so bad, like, I think I was expecting a train wreck, and instead I got, oh, this is actually decent fun. It's just, there, there are critiques. It's, it's, yeah, there's things to complain. The art's the biggest thing, and there's too many artists for a start, but... Yeah, I think, like... I don't need it to be a knockout run. Like I say, if 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 I did feel like this was a seven out of ten book, I'd be fine with that. The problem is, I'm not 
feeling that like a lot of that is the art that I'm really not enjoying. I think pacing of the the, the issues from Brian's side of things isn't great. There's just enough things adding up that I'm like this is kind of really mundane and kind of just I I feel like I'm just going through the motions each time I'm reading an issue rather than enjoying a story. I haven't so uh, far, and I, I will say that I keep thinking I'm going to feel that way. Like, I, I've kind of put this off almost every time. You know, this is the third issue of the, the run. Mm. And almost every time I've been pleasantly surprised with, like, oh, I'm actually kind of enjoying this. You know, oh, yeah, I did kind of like the last issue now. I'm thinking about it. Like, I, I still have this preconceived notion that it's not going to be that good, but then I read it and go, you know what, I'm actually kind of having fun with the characters I, and, like, how it's playing. And I, I will say it's not as terrible as you know we were assuming it was going to be beforehand i, d- I definitely don't think that um as I, I don't think it's very good but it's not it's not bad it's just re- really kind of mundane mediocre for me at least hmm. but i mean if you're enjoying it fair enough I, I i can definitely see people enjoying this more than i can let's let's put it this way there, there are definitely some books that we hate that people love and i just don't see it at all Whereas this, I'm like, yeah, sure, I can see people getting enjoyment out of this one. Well, the big thing is is just to take on the characters. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's Wally's voice, but it's also Wally interacting with Barry, interacting with Jay, and it's not even interacting with Jay necessarily technically, but you know, but the way that you know between inter- the interactions from Wally and the Ray versus Jay and the Ray play out, uh, like in the scenario in general, I, I think it's you know, it, it's kind of like. And I know you're not uh, liking, you, or you didn't like Rorschach enough to keep reading that or even bother trying it. I can't remember if you read issue one. I did read the first one. Yeah. But, you know, me and Matt like, praised the shit out of that last week, and we were saying it's like, the best thing they're putting out right now. Uh, it's DC's best book right now. Um, and I'm only bringing that up because uh, just for this comparison. This, you know, Rorschach is your prestige HBO show or whatever you want to pick if, if that's your your, your breaking bad yeah. in this because i think that's yeah. a, a safe choice for a lot of people sure Th- this is your network tv romp but better than the actual flash tv show i don't know if you saw the poster they put out with impulse I on did. it but it looks rough it's, it's not good it looks all, all, all i'm saying is i'm having a lot more fun watching riverdale than i did reading this issue <laughs> well to quote the ray or paraphrase the ray from this issue uh, you know, I didn't ask for a co-host with brain damage, so here we are. Uh, it's fair. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm happy to follow the Flash. It's it's not like a knockout thing by any means, but um, I you know I I, th- I think the story is actually flowing fairly well and far more coherent than a lot of you know what we got after Williamson or even a lot of what we got you know in the back half of williamson's run in a lot of ways so uh but because it's doing the wally stuff and because it's incorporating more of the flash family it almost feels like yeah williamson's hands were tied a lot i, I wonder how much more williamson wanted to do with those other characters and incorporate them but he couldn't because because of the because of daddy because of who was in charge and also because that was also around the same time that they were ruining wally off in heroes in crisis i would say definitely probably because you know he introduced uh bar in like is that like issue fifty? That's and then 50, he was like, yeah. he was like, I'm down. I've got big stuff for him later. And then nothing. Which I mean, and maybe all those plans haven't changed. Is why the back half of his run does feel a, a lot more off than the first half. Very possible. Yeah, uh, I, and, I would suspect. And while benefit the doubt on his part, uh, the the best writers rise to that challenge and and 
still bring out good stories despite editorial pressures, right? I mean, true, but I think that is throwing him under the bus by saying, uh, "Well, you should, uh, just, yeah. you should do better." Because, because uh, to to his credit, everything else he has done since the Flash no, I, has uh, all been good. So I agree, which is why I'm not being like too damning on it. And look, look, he handled it. Assuming that any of this is true, he handled it significantly better than Rob Liefeld did this because, week. Because his Batman Superman uh, issues were great. Uh, Robin so far has been a surprising little gem. There's only been one issue, mm. and well. One issue in the backup tease, but you know, it, it, two issues worth. But yeah, yeah, but you know, it, it feels a lot more enjoyable and and exactly the tone that it should be. When I think that's maybe the biggest worry that New Fifty Two gave me about comics is that they just like certain books just won't get what people who like the character want from that character. <laughs> and yeah, so far, whereas in Robin, we like seeing Damien little bit being a little shitbag. Yeah, Damien being in a Mortal Kombat style tournament is the perfect application of that character. Um, but so far, I would say across the board, I'd say that most of the mainline DC books right now seem to understand the appeal of their character. So, uh, with that in almost, mind, almost aggressively so. With that in mind, uh, what are you rating? Flash That's like a five. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, seven. I'm even. I'm even. You know, what? I'm going to seven point five. I had so much fun with the the Hitler punching and uh, the various Flash characters interacting with each other and whatnot, that I, I'm going to go there. Admittedly, maybe I shouldn't because of the, the, the art changes and some of the art being aggressively mediocre. I, mean, I won't say outright bad, because it's not terrible art. It's, it, you know, it's not like John Romita Jr. or, <laughs> like, whatever. Uh, no, I, even I will agree to that. Yeah, but just aggressively mediocre. I did like the art in the first, like, chunk, though, before the art started to change. Uh... All right, Nightwing issue eighty. Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo on the art. Um, so here, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Me and Matt said last week that Rorschach is the best book that DC have put out, and I'm standing by that. I am standing by that. But discounting. Stuff like that, which is like the separate minis and prestige the, the books. Black labels yeah. and... If we're talking mainline, ongoing DC books, and walks Nightwing to take that crown. And oh, oh, I don't know about that. And, no, I don't, I don't know if I'd give it the crown immediately. No, I, I, I think I'm, I'm kind of there. Like, I'm, I, I mean, obviously, I felt super attached to it after that first issue with the emotional Alfred stuff. Last issue was great, building up to the the heart robbing. Uh, Scene also murder, but that just heart robbing. I think covers it. <laughs> um, this issue, I think, that such a good job of again just solidifying everything I'm liking, not only about Nightwing, but just like the books in general right now, is the cohesive world that they're all sharing with each other. Um, because uh, I, I know like Matt and you're about to do it on the show are going to fawn over a certain moment. Uh, with Tim, I I I did it on Twitter before Matt did. <laughs> Yeah, Matt then Matt then tagged me in his one, going, "Yeah, see, I, I thought the same." Um, but this is the thing. I I could jokingly sit and you know make fun of that moment or whatever just to wind you two up. But I honestly, I like the the interaction with Tim in this issue. It feels the relationship that Dick and Tim should have. Uh, more than that, I I mean the Dick and Bab stuff in this book's been great so far. And you know if the idea that Tom Taylor understands what we want from a Nightwing book. Like, holy shit, is he nailing it? Because 
that this is so there's you know this issue the, the police show up at nightwing's door because you know the homeless guy got murdered did he interacted with them because he paid for his hotel room so that's how they've tracked them down and babs is on her way out she's like down the end of the street and he calls us hey i'm maybe being accused of murder can you like you know come back and like you know be my alibi because it's not that she's making anything up she is his alibi <laughs> she was there uh which is a point again which makes for some humor later when you know tim's like so babs spent the night did she like i was on the couch and then babs is like you know i'm still here in the conversation i'm oracle you know you realize what oracle is right what i do um but the moment in the, the when she's talking to the police and they're sitting at the table and she's like, I was here all night, and the detective says, What is the nature of your relationship? The yard of of Dick is sort of like the just puff of breath. Yeah, the puff of breath. And like her saying that's not relevant and just that moment, the pacing of that moment and just how it plays into those two characters. Um I, I this wonderful. whole sequence is gold. Because you've got that puff of breath, him going I've been wondering how to broach that myself, but probably not an interrogation. She's like, that's not relevant. Well, I think it's relevant. Oh, why? I have a law degree. He's like, and he goes, oh yeah, so do I. <laughs> like, like he'd forgotten. Yeah. Super delightful. Obviously, they're going to look into, like, you know, who this is. Uh, calls in Tim. Going to go to the uh, the kids' homeless camp that's, you know, set up, you know, the tent town. Call, calls in Tim and, and agrees that maybe he is the best Robin. Maybe agrees. The exact phrasing is many th- think that he is the best Robin, and he says that he totally gets it. That does not necessarily mean that he thinks it's definitively true. It's not. I I I will concede. But this whole <laughs> it, it can be a little shitbag giving him the, the the wallet on the chain. I mean, like, and yeah, that was a good callback. That was a good callback. You, you confront a soft metal band in the early two thousands, like ah, Tim's still got it. Uh, so and you know the the fact that they are the, traveling via you know being on top of a train and like having to like do the matrix like bullet dodge pose to like not get hit tunnel. by things in the tunnel is <laughs> yeah it's all just very delightful banter between them as they're explaining the case and talking about what's happening <clears throat> um and he gets back and there's the the dog he's like oh you got a dog and i was like oh yeah just go to the pound he's like, yeah that sounds plausible so they go to the camp uh tim's undercover with the dog because he's younger He's maybe closer to the age of all these kids that are here, the homeless kids. And, you know, they're, they're, oh, actually, just, I know, because I'm just, I'm seeing the, the part where they, they asked about, you know, Bab spending the night and him saying he slept on the couch. There's the panel where Bab says that she, you know, I'm still on this channel, I'm still listening to this. Uh, the art there for that one little panel, uh, the cartoony kind of... Goes very chibi, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of appreciate that because it almost kind of felt like a... Like it's coming from the phone. Like it felt like a not an emoji, but the no like an you avatar. Feel it like again to go back to you know, yeah. film language, that cut where it pops in with the extra person on the phone. You see it cut to them, like and it goes like almost yeah. split screen, or there'll be like a little insert of them somewhere. It has that effect here. Yeah. So, so the kid of the modern man uh, does talk about the fact that his father's heart was taken, but he's too scared to leave. He, he thinks he's safe here uh, at the tent town. Uh, and then in walks a couple of C-listers, uh, Executioner and, uh, is that just Brutal? Chal? Yeah. It? yeah I'm not for, I've heard of Executioner a bunch, uh, I'm sorry, Electrocutioner. Uh, I'm sure there's Executioner as well. <laughs> Sounds like a villain that's running around. That almost definitely is. Uh, yeah. Um, but they, they came in basically because, you know, you guys are pickpocketing and, uh, you know, 
That's his blockbuster like territory. Yeah, we didn't give us a cut. Uh, obviously, Nightwing and Tim uh, jump in. We get some fun action. Uh, I assume you enjoyed Dick putting these sticks together to make a staff and throwing it to Tim. I did. Yeah, I did. I've missed seeing Tim with the staff. So, yes. Uh, very good stuff. I particularly like the, uh, the page where uh, Dick like grabs a staff or grabs Tim's hand rather and sort of like flings him past them. There's a good sense of motion between them uh, and them taking oh, the, to... the, the back and forth with them yeah. like, it, down like the four or five panels. It's, it's basically a tag team kind of special maneuver because it's two on two. Uh, it's really good stuff. But there's a fire. There's a fire that breaks out. It's not these two um, that have done it. Um, but it is someone intentional because the, the, you know, the, it's clearly arson. Yeah, so, so, so Dick has to fly around uh, help some kids, save them. And the big tease at the end, though, is when he looks over and sees who started the fire. Uh, we all started the fire, I think you'll find. Um, it was always burning. Something, something, something. Since the world's been turning, I believe. Since the world's been turning. Just uh, Huey from the boys. Uh, shout out to Huey. Um, but, yes, the Heartless, whoever this is, uh, is standing. And it's a gorgeous page with the flames in front of him. And just like, mm. you know, Dick's uh, like hand in the foreground, so uh, really good stuff. I mean, I think, in in some ways, this issue is probably the least like impressive from like a a craft point. Not that there's not good like pages and panels and stuff in there, and like the way it tells a story, but in terms of you know, we talked a lot in the first issue about the emotional stuff and about like how it's setting all everything up. Uh, it's issue two. There was a lot of praise about how they made us care about this new character just in time for him to die, and the fact that that tied into Dick's efforts to help the neighbourhood and all these things. So from a story craft, I think this might be the one that's the most straightforward because, okay, there's been a murder, we're going to investigate it, it's just sort of, it's just storytelling 101, there's nothing particularly special. But, what this does so well, and I mean, the book's been doing it well anyway, but between the Dick's and ba- Dick and Bab stuff, and between the Dick and Tim stuff, and the overall kind of aura of the Bat family are there to call upon each other when need be. And the fact that it feels like that. I I, I love that between this and then another one or two books, I, I despite the fact that there's no Batgirl book right now, I don't feel like I'm missing Babs because there's, there's a good presence of her in, 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 in a solid capacity in multiple books where it doesn't feel like she's just been forgotten about, which, which is the problem. That was why for so long, especially in the New 52 era, when there wasn't a character or a book for a specific character, it basically meant that the character was almost nothing but maybe a background image in some books, and that was it. Uh, they felt so far removed. Uh, so I-, I want to praise this because I think this was, along with Batman, which is doing a good job of it as well, with you know uh, Batman, Medoracal, and Harley, and the other things going on, where it feels like there is a shared universe between them in a way that doesn't feel like it's just a gimmick. It feels like, no, this is a family of characters who all know each other. Uh, the way they're interacting feels like it's actually actually acknowledging what we, as the audience, care about their interactions and care about their connections with each other, as opposed to just being... And some may argue that as a, a, some sort of level of fan service, but the funny thing is, is that I think fan service in comics is when they just throw them together but the writer doesn't understand why we like them together. Whereas here, between you know, between the scene where they're talking about the relationship and the nature of the the Bab Dix relationship, between you know, Dix like thoughts about Tim being the best Robin. Taylor clearly understands why we like these characters together. Not just why we like them on their own, which we do, but why we like them together. Um, and this felt like 
Yeah, like I don't know where Tim is in the grand scheme of things right now because Young Justice is done and there's not like a, I mean, there's a Tim book maybe coming. I, I, at some I point. guess he's Robin again now at the minute. And yeah, we know there is a Robin Tim book coming by yeah. the person who did the the Future State thing. But even without that, this book just makes you feel like yeah, he's out there being Robin. He exists. He feels like he's Robin from you know mid to late two thousands again. You know, Nightwing feels like he's Nightwing from the two thousands again, and. Not in the, not in the bad ways. They're still progressing. They're still letting the you know the, the the fact that Alfred's dead. You know they talk about it. It affects them. There's still progression, but it feels like and I, I've had this conversation before where I, I t- I've talked about how we don't you know obviously we want comics to move forward, and one of the biggest problems with comics is that they don't move forward enough with a lot of characters. But when we say we want to go back to pre New Fifty Two, it's not that we don't want things to progress. It's that things were erased and then there's no progression at all because we're just doing either the, the old things again or we're doing some new version of things again. Um, I want to go back to where we were and continue progressing yes, from that. exactly. And it feels like... and it, When Rebirth started, a lot of it was like, okay, it feels like we're kind of getting to a place where we're fixing the New 52 and maybe it'll take some time before it really feels that we're in that era again. And I think that's kind of why I'm, I'm digging DC Comics so much right now. Is that a lot of it... just feeling that way. Sorry? It's only just feeling that yeah. way now, isn't it? It's only it's only just now, and it's not that it, Rebirth didn't do the right things. It did, but it wasn't going to happen overnight where it felt like that again. And yeah, part of it might be Diddy and some of the other staff to higher up leaving was a big yeah. deal. I don't it, know. Did so. you did you read about uh, Tynan's rejected pitch for Nightwing a few years ago? Uh, I didn't. I saw the uh, the image on the article though with the sort of Daredevil style mask. Super interesting. Just uh, just to, uh, real quick, the idea was uh, it was after Forever Evil. Mm-hmm. Um, it was going to be. They didn't tell. They they weren't going to tell us it was a Nightwing book. It was going to be Nightwing die in Forever Evil, and we were going to be under that impression as readers as well. Whereas, mm-hmm. in the in the end result, you know, we 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 kind of knew the whole time what was going on. But we were gonna. It was going to be this new book. It was going to follow John Blake, which you know you might recognize that name from mm-hmm. a certain movie. Um, was going to be working in Bloodhaven, and doing some vigilante stuff on the side. But then there was going to be someone else who was taking up the Nightwing mantle and he had to, like, stop it and take it back, basically. The problems were then, the reasons it fell through were the person he wanted to be taking up that Nightwing mantle and stealing it from him was Alman, which made a lot of sense spinning out of that event. Uh, but he was told that, you know, Alman was off the table. And then the other big thing that apparently was a sticking point that, ended, that made it not happen is he was explicitly told under no circumstances was he allowed to go back to the blue costume, which is what he wanted to do. For that book when it went when it came back out and they were like no stupid so stupid and uh and it was it was with uh michael yannon was on this book with him um and then it, obviously it, things changed and it became Grayson, Grayson. yeah but yeah it's so stupid especially since a few years later it was like no nah, we realize everyone wants the blue suit back so okay the blue suit's back yeah. uh yeah so it's just it's yeah. one of these sticking points that people it is, it is. but just to to go back to this issue and talk about something here you know um I agree with basically everything you just said on that whole big spiel, by the way. Um, although I do want to just cheer, I, you know, nitpick some of the minutiae of the, the, the terminology, because I actually want to make it a related point. I was going to use the word craft, but I was going to use the word craft in a very different way. Because um, you said yeah, you thought it was the weakest from a, a craft perspective. And I think... In term, and you, you're talking about writing craft and narrative, and I, I agree with that. In terms of the narrative, it's probably... I, 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 the... I, I, let me just add to that. When I say weakest, I just mean... 
out of the three, it's still uh, yeah, an extremely high bar. It's still I know. extremely good. Like, I'm just, I'm just I am, um, yeah. I'm saying that the strengths of this issue came from another lane, came from another perspective. I guess. I, no, I absolutely agree, uh, and I'm not trying to imply that you thought it was weak in any way. Uh, just the weakest of the three, which I, I also agree with. But I think it's the craft of the comic itself that is the best in this issue, and that's what makes this issue still work so well, beyond just the, the character interactions. Um, things like... Uh, we talked about that sequence of uh, Babs and Dick the, in the interrogation, the, the pacing of that, that's you know the craft of that art. Um, I think just after that, we have the top-down, over-the-head layout of them in the apartment and kind of walking through the apartment. There's this, this uh, top-down shot. Uh, it's just real nice stuff like that. Uh, we mentioned the the pop-in little chibi art of Babs when you know she's like, hey, I heard that. Uh, when Dick puts his uh, staff, his sticks together to make the staff, and it's, you know, it kind of has this little pop-out, and it's, again, very reminiscent of something in, I don't know if it was the last issue of the first one, that reminded me of uh, the Fraction Azure Hawkeye run. But Things like that, where it's like, no, this has got an identity on a craft perspective from the comic that makes it... I, I don't know if I'm willing to go on record and say the best thing that DC are publishing outside of Black Label stuff, but in contention for that crown, absolutely. Um, it, it's in my top two or three, without a doubt. And it's things like that that elevate it beyond just... beyond even just the fantastic narrative and relationships as well. It's it's the just the, the, the pure functional craft of how it tells its story uh, that it's just excelling at. But let's also look at the idea that one of the things we've been saying about Batman is the, the world building and the, the idea of Gotham. This issue, I mean, the last issue is it as well, but just the idea of two thugs coming from Blockbuster again, makes it feel like there is a living city around this where there's other support and cast. And one of the things, again, that was missing was the idea of support and cast, both good and bad. So... That's just another thing there that it's like, yeah, the story right now is not about Blockbuster. Everything with Blockbuster and everything that's going on with that political stuff and, and the mayor and blah, blah, blah. That's all seeding. That's all stuff that's going to come maybe in Arc 2, Arc 3, whatever it may be building to. But it's still there. It's still present. It still has a, an impact in some way on on the ongoings of, of the, the story and the city and the, the world that's around Nightwing. And I think, you know, that craft is exceptionally good uh, throughout, throughout this. I, it, yeah, so, I mean... Basically, what we're saying is this is an extremely well-made comic in pretty much every department. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, all, all I'm really saying is that certain parts of the craft are shining more in this one versus other parts that were shining more in the last issue. This is really all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I guess with that said, uh, what you've written that you're wearing a shoey? Uh, I'm going to give it a nine. I will also give it a nine. I think I will give it a name too. So there you go. Nightwing is fantastic. Catwoman issue 31, Ram V, writing with Fernando Blanco on the art. And uh, this starts off with your typical kind of, we're mid-story. It's a bit of an action scene with Catwoman. Uh, and this is where I was confused. Wait, wait a minute. How did the last issue? I don't remember it ending with her in a situation like this. No, because it didn't. It ended with her in the dress, walking into the ball, undercover, because she's yes. going to try and find out what Thankfully, I Thankfully, a few pages later, it says earlier that night, and you yeah. realized everything. Yes, so that is the, the general idea. So she, it's basically her explaining to the bad guy here. Uh, is it Mr. Roy, I want to say? Uh, yes. Who 
like how she did this, how she pulled this off. And she goes back and explains, well, you know, I was there, I was charming you, uh, stroking your ego a little bit. Um, and we, we see, like, you know, the other characters react. And it's a, it's a bit of a... It's essentially the the heist moment of a movie where the we see all the parts coming together. Uh, it's not as intricate as that, because ultimately it's just, you know, we set up the fact that we're going to go and try and save Ivy last issue, and then here we, you know, we're, we're yeah. already in it. But it, It's things like they stole part of the art showcase so that they'd think, oh, there's a thief about, so they'll go check mm-hmm. on the most valuable things, being Ivy. Yeah, and it's like, you know, how the catering guy's there, and he's actually one of the Alleytown kids, and uh, Shoes is there, you know, uh, with the blue hair. Um, and, yes, who, who, by the way, just by, by the by, that's, uh, you know, uh, Roy and uh, Cheshire's kid. But, uh, oh, is it? Interesting. She doesn't that, know. That, she, that, that, she doesn't know though. She doesn't know. I didn't know that was their relationship had still even happened in this continuity at the moment. Well, that's what happens when you miss a weekend. That you get. <laughs> well, it was a hundred pages. I had other things to read to get this. <laughs> oh, <sighs> there, there was two. There was two really important stories in there. It was that one because it's so relevant and huge, and it's it's Ram V, so it's going to be relevant. Catwoman. And then the one at the the end, which is actually teasing something that uh, Jin Ling Yang is going to be doing with. Uh, oh, is that the the Monkey Prince one? Yeah, Monkey Prince. Uh, so, but those those were the two important stories out of the book. If you if you are going to go back and just read a couple of them, but, um, yeah. So it was just it was just funny like because not that shows does anything super important in this issue. She's just a part of the plan, but it was just kind of funny having this context in this one where I'm like, oh. Okay, we have all Keep this. Keep an eye on her. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of story with 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 her uh, going forward. Uh, but yeah, that's how she you know she, she got the the code for the doors because she she put some citrus on his hand and blah blah blah, uh, and gets Ivy out and then she's like, hey, I'm, you know, you realize I'm stalling here, right? Like, you know, this is this is all the misdirection. Uh, and then, but the big dramatic thing at the end though, because it shows you how Ivy escaped. She's in the the food cart and all the rest of it. Very interesting as well. Um, this is the she's very spaced out mm-hmm. and speaking nonsense, shall we say? Yeah. Um, I thought super interesting. I, I, you know, again, this was you know another Ram V book, but the Swamp Thing, where we had in issue three inside the the green with uh, with the multiple Ivies. This was very much the same lettering as that confused Ivy in in that issue. Uh, yeah, with the the wavy bubbles and the kind of the, the interesting text, the way it kind of waves. Yeah, I, I do wonder if the Ivy stuff is going to be a backdoor crossover. And by backdoor, what I mean is is that you don't have to read both books by any means, but the Ivy stuff on its own will have like an added understanding. Uh, I, I was kind both. of feeling the same here, seeing this going, oh, interesting, as you're talking about with, with shoes, basically, where I didn't feel like I was missing anything in this particular issue, at least not knowing. But it was just more. Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm seeing things that this is interesting from a, a wider perspective. Yeah. Uh, the big thing for me though here was uh, when Mister Roy realizes that that Ivy's gone, and he doesn't want his employer to find out, but he's going to now because he's failed. He just takes his gun and kills himself, and it's this you know pretty shocking dark moment that yeah. really elevates things. And obviously, he mentions the name of this is and this is where it starts to really tie into the world of, of gotham right now and then what's going on uh with batman because it becomes about saint uh and we even see saint you know he gets a scene on his own now you know when he's big skyscraper where we've seen him before uh and he's got his uh with the white witch which notably is spelt differently 
Uh, it's white as yes. in I, I-G-H-T. Who we definitely saw in Future State, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's talking about his plans. I did like the you know the the, the classic uh, mugshot of Catwoman being used uh, in the hologram. Nice touch. Um, yeah. But he's like, hey, you failed once. You're not going to fail me again. And you know she makes the the promise. She's very stoic and robotic. She's clearly been, you know, brainwashed and and whatever. Maybe more directly controlled, given that her eyes glow. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's really setting up that Simon Saint's a big player in Catwoman as well, and what he's doing is affecting this because he even says that he's convinced Mayor Nakano to focus law enforcement and make that you know alley town like a bit of a project for the police now. This is going to be a focal point for them. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, we've been seeing in Batman him building the peacekeepers and kind of going down yeah. that alley. So it's a nice touch. Uh, and we find that they've got a, a new hiding place for uh, Ivy for now, which is the this old uh, train station, uh, the abandoned uh, station in near Abandoned Grove. Yeah. Uh, and that's where she is. And obviously the mysterious stranger who gave her, like, help, he's still around here giving advice and whatnot. We still don't know who it is. She goes to ask him, but he sort of Batman's out of the scene, uh, as we do. So we don't really know who this character is yet. Uh, mm. nor do I have any real guesses at this point but no but then we do have a tease you know that the far bit Father Valley has taken Leo um, yeah this was you know, one of the one of the kids who was in the plan he was like the catering uh, kid uh, yeah. at the party and Valley's got him he's clearly been torturing him uh, and he's interrogating for whatever he knows basically i mean he, he obviously he, he phrases it as his confessions because everything's very biblical he starts off with, a, you know, him, with yeah. a quote of course because he always does but um yeah he's got one of you know it's becoming more personal it's becoming more you know he's been watching he's been observing he's been only interfering with others who'll get in his way or possibly take catwoman before he does and now he's starting to get closer and in a way that's going to hurt her because one of her kids now is 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 being put through this horrible uh, event, if not, maybe he'll eventually kill him, so that'll even just turn it up more. Uh, I think I, I appreciate how unpredictable Father Valley is, and that I don't know if he's going to kill him or not at the end of this. Yeah, I don't know either. <clears throat> and then maybe I escalate it after that. You, know, you could phrase it as he goes to someone who's closer to Selena, and the way I'd phrase it for us, the audience, is that it escalates because it becomes someone who's not effectively a red shirt and becomes someone who Selena cares about that we know as well as a character and have done for a long time. You yes. know, whether that's Ivy or whether that's whoever, that's, that's you know, other question. But, uh, so, no, re- really well done stuff. It's, it's, it's a thing where this is, this, this, this issue is mostly the, the how I did the heist explanation, but which is very fun to read. Uh, but I think the high point for me was the suicide of the, the villain and the following scene with Saint because, just having that all of a sudden kind of connect Batman and Catwoman into the same world in a, in a really big way. Because yeah. Allytown always was meant to be part of Gotham, but like it kind of felt like it was on its own little pocket before, whereas now it feels like, oh no, it is really part of Gotham. Uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, no, I, I love this issue. Um, again, this is one of those books that for me is in contention for being possibly the best book DC are publishing right now. Because, you know everything in this issue is great. Like saying you know, the the high stuff is a lot of fun. Um, Blanco in particular, he, you know, he's having a blast doing this stuff. There's even even the layouts on the title page, you know, Catwoman in misdirection. You know, it's, it's like the like actual credits title card. 
Um, and then, you know, like I say, you get to the, the hard-hitting moments with the suicide and uh, the, the phenomenal colours when it cuts to the, the Simon Saint stuff, all this, you know, bathed in red light. It's super evil. I kind of love it. Yeah, I also think the Simon Saint stuff feels almost like it comes out of the Batman book in some ways. Um, obviously, it doesn't look like the exact art, of course, because it's, you know, it's still, you know, Blanco here, but in the way that everything with the other stuff and the, the issue, you know, it's in a mansion or later on it's in the broad daylight and then in, into the abandoned station, but it's still daylight that's sort of lighting them. Uh, when it comes to Simon Saint, you get this a feeling of being up in the city and it made me think of Batman or even more detective comics with all the neon lights it's, and all it's that. It's captured that, that new yeah. Gotham feeling of the, the yeah. neon, yeah. Basically what I'm saying is, is that even though the art is different, it still kind of captures what, what the city feels like right now. And the, the idea that even editorials, like having the artists do that is kind of impressive, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, credit where credit is due. Because, uh, yeah, because the way the lighting's kind of like, the, this is the colouring, I guess, more than anything, is, is drawn uh, and coloured onto them. Like, you know, I think it's the light in that last page, the, the glow of the hologram on uh, Saint's face. Um, yeah, just, that really harsh blue light. It feels really like the, the light's affecting him, whereas when you go to the next pages, it's, it's a very flat shading style. There's hard shadows and stuff, but there's no, like, sort of smooth shading, whereas when I look at the, the neon light on his face, or the hologram light, it feels like a gradual light. You know, it, it feels different, and I think that, that that really gives it a different feel to the rest of the book. Yeah. We're in a different world. We're up in his high skyscraper world where he's in charge, where he's plotting and scheming and putting all these plans into motion. I don't know. It, uh, really good. Um, That's great. And likewise, actually, I think this is the last page with the uh, the valet stuff, the art again feels a bit different. The colouring feels very different. It feels grungier. It feels less Older. clean. Yeah. Than yeah, because we, we cut from the, the scene with, you know, Selena and Ivy, and it's it's very warm, very natural, very friendly. And then, you know, into this last page where everything, it's it's still green, and there's a lot of green on the previous page because we're dealing with Ivy and there's a lot of plants, but that was a really natural you know, life green, whereas this is, you know, it's this cold underground. Uh, it's it's really harsh in comparison. Uh, it just feels so drastically different, even though the uh, colour itself is not actually that much of a change. I would say a big thing is, like, again, I thought it would be more grungy. If you look at the faces on the previous page, Ivy's face, not a lot of detail. You know, eyes are closed, got the mouth. Very, very smooth very face. Very rounded faces. Yeah. Very smooth faces, uh, apart from the obvious features of the eyes and those in the mouth, right? You go to the next page, and Leo, the guy that has the kid's face, bruised, blood, there's so many things on his face. And then even Valet, the lighting on him, like there's all these shadows and the sunglasses, there's a lot more going on. So the art just distinctly makes it feel like a very different setting, even just through the faces, which, yeah. you know, so very well done, I guess. It's, it's, a, it's very impressive stuff. What are you rating it? Uh, give it a nine. I'm also giving it a nine. Uh, is that three nines each with both this time? I, I think it is, yeah. yeah. A, lot, a lot of nines this week. Like I said, it's a good week. It's hard to take and play when you get three nines in a week. It really is. Uh, next up, uh, get into the, the Patreon books now. Although two of them are actually current books, even though obviously we're maybe like a month or so behind given when we started doing them for a patron. But uh, Connor is going to talk about Harley Quinn issue two, uh, which came out last month. So... 
go for it. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, I am not as enamored with this issue as I was. Like last issue, I still quite liked it, despite the art. Like you know, in mm. spite of the art, I was like, I like this issue not as much. It's not like again, uh, art aside, because I'll come back to that after. But right, I don't think it's bad. Uh, I think it's just la- lacking some of the flair that the first issue I felt had. Um, I will say, full disclosure, I did have to skip a page because there was a page where I turned it and I saw a needle going into someone's eye. I was like, I can't read this and had to go on to the next page because I, I just can't cope with that. Yeah, um, Carl doesn't like needles. No, not at all. Uh, so I, I, I missed about a page of context towards the end. So I'm kind of, I was guessing some of the bits. Uh, but I, my, I, my feeling was mostly set in stone before that anyway. Um, so I don't think that's affected my, my judgment too much. Because uh, a lot of this issue is Harley wanting her second chances, basically, because uh, we, we have Maya Nakano um, giving Hugo Strange a, sec- a big public second chance. Kind of, uh, he wants him to run their new program called SAFE, and that's, uh, that's an acronym for something secure, fearless, secure and fearless engagement program, or as they call it, SAFE. It's basically them going, well, we haven't got Arkham anymore, so we need something. And Strange is is promising this will be about rehabilitation because he's changed and he understands the importance of rehabilitation. Uh, And it's specifically going to be focusing on all the clowns and the leftovers from the Joker War and kind of trying to get those people back to being a functioning members of society, unlike what they are now, and, and not just throwing them in jail. And that stuff, it's like fine. You know, Harley basically is going around town and having her own problems. Like, uh, it, it cuts from this speech that Hugo Strange is giving with Nakano to Harley watching it in uh, in, in a coffee shop uh, on the TV because it's on the news. And she's very annoyed because the newscaster was like, "Oh, yeah, that was a such a sincere apology." You know, uh, and a moving apology to the people of Gotham was how the newscaster put it. And Harley was like, that's not an effing apology. You know, he didn't even say the words I'm sorry once. So that doesn't count. Uh, as she's doing this, jumping up onto the counter, kicking up a storm, ruining everything. And they, they ask her to leave. And she's like, well, I haven't got my, my mocha latte with extra mocha yet. It's like, I'm sorry, I'll clean up the mess. But can I get my coffee to go? And then they kick her out and tell her not to come back. And she's upset because she's like, because she said sorry. And Strange didn't. And she still gets punished, whereas he's getting rewarded. Uh... And that's what a lot of this issue is. And she runs into one of the, the ex-clowns that she knows, Kevin. And he's having moments of regret. You know, we have a flashback to what he did during the Joker War. He burnt down a building. Uh, you know, he, he threw a petrol bomb at, like, this store. And then it turned out there was someone still inside. Uh, and, and that's why he, he got arrested, because everyone else ran away. But he obviously felt guilty that there was someone inside. And stayed and waited for the, the police to arrive and you know they arrest him for it uh and then you know you've just got strange working on cloud uh, the clowns he's doing some corrective treatments i'm assuming this is what the the injections were because he's got one for uh, someone who was a clown cl- complaining that you know that they're, they're gonna be fine they're getting better you got the wrong guy and strange is like no, no we'll fix you we'll correct you or we'll put you back in society part of this safe system and i don't know exactly what his motive is. Uh, I don't know exactly what it's going to cover, um, but 
I, I, I'm sure he has plans. This this is Hugo Strange. I'm sure he is not reformed, uh, as all seems. Uh, but that is mostly the issue. Um, uh, it's it's Rosmo. It's very very Rosmo. I will say I'm grateful he didn't try to get inventive with the layouts or anything this time because I I did have problems with that last time where there was some stuff was just confusing. Uh, there is nothing worse than usual. I will say in this issue about Rosmo that you know sometimes I will complain about specific things. This is just general. If you like Rosmo, you're probably going to be fine with this. Um, if you don't, it's more of the usual big, weird-shaped heads and big chins and ugly stuff like that. Very strangely proportioned bodies that I despise. But yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, it's, I don't think it's that great an issue, which is a shame. Because I, I thought the first one kind of rose above the art, and this one I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's not like badly written, but it, it it's gone from something that I liked in spite of the art to being like uh, okay. I, I even if even if this was an artist I liked now, I probably wouldn't be thrilled about this book. Um, yeah, it's like a five. Yeah, I give it a five. Okay, five is. Uh, so. Yeah, my, my Patreon book uh, is The Joker Issue 2. So I read issue one of this. Um, I opted out basically based on the, the, the price increase, uh, which didn't seem to come with a, a page count increase because it was already expensive. It was already a bigger book with the backup. And then they added the uh, extra dollar anyway, uh, which I think that all the covers do have cardstock, but that doesn't really affect when you're reading digital. Um, however, Patreon went to me, make me uh, keep reading it, uh, which of course I didn't mention even, I usually did a little speech at the start of the Patreon books. I guess it was weird because uh, Justice League was kind of a half, because it was just you that was a Patreon book for, but uh, everyone on patreon.com slash mailfuzztv, uh, one of the higher tiers is to make myself a corner read a book. Uh, and, you know, so it, it's a great excuse to keep reading it because someone's making me to. Um, and there's some big stuff in this actually. Uh, so obviously it's tiny in uh, March. And I will say March's art is a bit worse than this one, the first issue. Like, the first issue was surprisingly not that offensive. Uh, and it's I, the kindest I've ever heard you be about March. I, I think issue two is maybe a bit more, like, ah, there's, there's definitely pages where it's feeling like Gil and March a bit more. So, mm. uh, you know, take that as you will. But there's, a, there's big stuff in this issue, and I, I did like the story of the first issue. I didn't stop reading it because I didn't like the story. Because it's, it's not really a Joker book, it's a Jim Gordon book. Uh... And there's even references again in this issue to year one, which again is as much of a Jim Gordon book as it was a Batman book. I uh, I believe you know those um, issues between arcs, which are going to be like uh, I think the first one's Frank Avila. They uh, they will be revisiting basically key moments uh, between Gordon and Joker, you know their life. Uh, so one of them will be I think you know, around year one. I'm sure one of them will be set around Killing Joke, things like that. That's that's kind of the point of those issues. I didn't remember there was going to be issues between arcs, but. Uh... Take word for it. <laughs> um, we, we spoke about it in the solicits. I'm sure we. Time. I'm sure we did. But we talk about a lot of books in solicits. Uh, yeah. uh, so if you remember first issue, uh, which I remembered fairly well, I mean there was natively names that I couldn't remember, but it's basically some mysterious rich woman uh, makes an offer to Gordon to hunt down the Joker and kill him. Uh, and we don't know who it is. She had a weird name. Um, 
Cassandra or some stupid like that. <laughs> some weird name. Um, but it's obviously an alias. We don't know for sure who she is. It was a bit of a mystery, as was her big like bodyguard who, under any other circumstances, you would just assume it was Bane, given the, the stature. Uh, but Bane technically seemingly died <laughs> in, you know, the A-Day stuff. So uh, that seems unlikely. Although there is some Bane-related stuff in this. Uh, there's people at Santa Prisca wearing Bane masks, uh, genetically altering someone to presumably also go after the Joker because they're blaming Joker for the death of Bane. Uh, as well as a Texas Chainsaw-style family, uh, which is teased at the start. I was, I was like, who the hell are these four characters in this page? And then at the end of the issue, I'm like, oh, it's like a Texas Chainsaw-style thing. Because they're actually in Texas as well. Uh, all sorts of wackiness. Um, but there's some big stuff in this. So, I, get, I actually really like the core story. I like, uh, this is Jim struggling with this offer that he's been made. And the, he talks about how there was this time back in the sort of year one-ish days where Babs was pregnant, they already had Barbara. It was a bit later, but, um, you know, but it, no, it was definitely your one, because he talks about how, you know, Flash made this offer that, hey, there's some ways to make some extra money in Gotham, you know, if, he's, if you're willing to bend the rules a little bit. And Gordon, like, obviously hated the idea, but he kept thinking about, you know, how much is it going to cost to put two kids through college? How much is it going to cost to do this? He, he's supposed to be the sole, you know, uh, support of, uh, you know, worker in the family, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, he'd go out into the balcony, the fire escape, and he'd think about it. And, you know, if he ever was remotely tempted, the second he stepped out into the cold and looked at the city at night, he'd be like, no, I can't. It's just not me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, you know, whatever ways I could possibly justify it. It's just not me. Uh, th this is who I am. And he goes out to the ba uh, the fire escape here, and Batman shows up because he, he has, like, a mini signal uh, to attract him and they they talk about stuff and he notably leaves out the part where he's been asked to kill joker but he tells batman about the offer uh to go and hunt down joker um and he talks about how you know he's he's got cards left to play up his sleeve right he's always had a couple of cards to play he's got one card to play and in, in the context of like you know working with batman in the context of this and that and basically He's not asking for Batman's approval. And Batman kind of says, you're telling me all this because you want to do it. He's like, yes, I do. And he's like, you know, so what are you asking for here? And he's like, well, I need resources. I need, you know, I need uh, help. I need access to your, your files, you know, the back computer effectively uh, and all of Joker's aliases, where he's been, his accomplices, blah, 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 blah. Everything you could possibly need. And Batman's like, yeah. And he also, also I need your damn phone number. Because <laughs> a bat signal won't work when I'm in another country. I need to be able to call you and get help if, if need be. And Batman essentially is like, you know what? I am so busy with all this A-Day crap, with, with, with the mayor, with everything going on. Like, I can't go hunt Joker around the planet. But I kind of trust you to. So all this stuff has been set up and it's all good. But then we get to the big stuff. Which is, Batman says, okay, I'll give you a way to contact me but I'm going to give you something else. And he's basically going to give him Oracle, right? Access to Oracle. So Oracle's going to be there to talk him through things and, and do what Oracle does. And, you know, Babs is talking to Batman over the comms saying, look, I hate this idea, by the way. He's going to get himself killed. Um, and, you know, so... And also, Batman at one point makes him promise to, like, you won't go in yourself. Once you find him, you'll call me and we'll do it together. And he kind of, like, 
slightly dodges the promise by saying that makes sense. And Babs immediately points to us and says, you know, he technically didn't promise anything. He just said something else. Um, and then Jim says, okay, I've been holding on to a card for years that I'm going to play because this is going to make Batman question why I'm holding something back or why I've not promised something. Um, so I'm not sure how much he's hearing some of this, potentially, uh, at a certain point. Because they're not using, like, names yet or anything like that, I don't think. Um, yeah, because yeah, she even speaks in the third person. Because he can definitely hear. Because she, she doesn't refer to him as dad or anything. She says Commissioner Gordon. Uh, so that wraps up. But, uh, so Gordon plays the card that he's been holding on to for years. He just says, are you sure you're not just worried about your old man, Barbara? And, like, Batman and Babs both, like, are in shock. So the big thing here is that Jim reveals that he's known for years that Oracle and Batgirl are Barbara. Um... And I don't actually dislike this because, for one, he's around her a lot more than any other Bat characters. I, I, I'll buy that he's that he's not went looking for who Batman is and whatever, uh, and so on. But much out of respect of anything as well. Yeah, though. yeah, that too. But the idea that he is around Barbara a lot more, and it even actually clears up something from a previous story, which you know I didn't necessarily need them to, but they go into um. I can't remember if this was, was was this during the rebirth run or was it back in the New Fifty Two? Whenever James Gordon Jr. died, was that was that during the rebirth? New Fifty Two. Was that New Fifty Two? Anyway, so there was a point in that Babs brings up like so. So basically, after he reveals this, Babs doesn't even like continue the conversation. She just says, "Dad, come to the Watchtower now." That's all she says. Or the Clock Tower, sorry, not the Watchtower. Uh, you are thinking a bit. This was where he died, where like fell off the roof, right? I, th- I think so, yeah, I think so. It doesn't yeah. specify, she just says... Basically, th- what she brings up when he comes to talk to her is, like, okay, forget the fact... For, for, first of all, there's a lot of questions I have going through my mind. One, like, how much else do you know? What do you know exactly? And, you know, Gordon sort of fesses up, okay, I know you're Batgirl, or you were Batgirl, uh, you know, and you're Oracle now, I guess. And she's like, yeah, I'm still figuring things out, and they kind of, like, you know go back and forth and even and one of the small moments here that i really liked which is tiny and really getting like something you have to do here is that when she explains yeah i'm you know i'm oracle again figuring things out uh you know the the tech in my back that helps me walk you know it's been kind of put through the paces because of being batgirl and you know there's a bit of a timer on being batgirl and technology could get better and you know there could be a fix for it but there's this there's just a little moment here where Gordon says, for the first time ever, he's been able to ask a question about being Batgirl, and all he asks is, are you in pain? When he hears about the, you know, the, the chip or whatever not being in the best condition. Um, it's that little moment of, like, for the first time as a father, knowing for years who Batgirl is, he actually just gets to say, is this hurting you in some way? How do you feel about this as Batgirl? I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of a sweet moment. Um... And they talk about how Joker's affected both of them and, you know, the, you know her brother, what, what happened to her, all, you know, the stuff you'd expect them to bring up. And and he actually confesses. He says, you know, the, the mission is to kill him. And he's not decided yet. You know, one of the cards that he's not played is that he doesn't really have to decide if he's going to go through with it until the moment, until he actually gets to him. Up until then, he, he can go the other way. Um, and... He makes a promise to Babs that he will only go through with it if he can convince Babs by the time that that comes that she agrees with it. Uh, the, the, the taking Joker out is worth the, the moral cost because of everything the Joker's done and probably will continue to still do. So, 
interesting thing that they're keeping that from Batman. It, it gives them something between just them, which is a nice touch. Uh, so all, all of this is really good story stuff. The, yeah, the Kellen March art's unfortunate, but all the story stuff here, all the character stuff between Babs and Jim is all super interesting. And the thing she brings up, though, the, the reason why I brought up that James Gordon Jr. stuff is because she says, okay, well, if you have known for years, then I've got a bony pick. And it's almost like Tynan could predict some of the, not plot holes per se, but interactions, almost. interactions they've had in the past that maybe... Does that make sense if he knows who she is? Kind of thing. And obviously he's not going to tackle every possible one, because I'm sure there's a number of them over the last several years. But brings up one moment uh, where he said to Batgirl, I will hold you personally accountable, Batgirl, uh, you know, if anything happens to, to James Gore, or, or, or if he's already dead, you know, what happened to him? And she brings this up and says, you said that to me, and you knew it was me. What the hell? <laughs> like, that, that's kind of cold. It is if you know I'm your daughter. And he basically fesses up and says, you know, like, it was unfair to say that. And, you know, he he was obviously, maybe even angry. If you, if you go with the assumption that maybe he's only known for a brief moment in, or for a brief while that who Batgirl is, that there's an extra layer of anger to it because of the lies and because of who she is and what she's doing. Um, And I think what, the way I like about this reveal that he's known for a long time and he's chosen not to reveal it for a number of reasons and but part of me just be out of respect for his daughter as well that she, she chose this to be a secret so so he's holding back but is that by doing it this way where he's already known and sort of on some level come to accept it we don't have to go through the oh this is too dangerous barbara you can't do this barbara oh my god what have you been doing this for all these years Barbara? like he's already kind of made peace with she's made this choice on her own we don't have to go through that rigmarole and i think that's a really positive way of doing it because it it takes all the negativity that could possibly come from the storytelling of it i think and puts it straight to an interesting position where he's going to actually talk to her as oracle where she's going to be helping him on his little mission here um and the subject never comes up actually that she will that you know she'll know a lot of other secrets because obviously when, when she says at first like you know what else do you know it's not just about her it's like do you know who Batman is? Do you know who Dick Grayson? You know who Nightwing is? Do you know about anyone else? Um, it's just, oh, it's it's just it's interesting. Like, I I almost you know if her and Dick do end up together long term at some point and they do go through those paces, I do wonder if there's like a here's my boyfriend and kind of like a, him just looking at Dick and being like, all right, which one are you? <laughs> You're clearly one of them. <laughs> As if he wouldn't know. <laughs> Which one would be able to work it out? Yeah, I just, 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 just all, all the interesting dynamics this brings up, and again, this this brings it back to this is a Jim Gordon book. I know it's called Joker. I know, I know it's about hunting Joker, and there is a Joker scene in this one in the middle where, uh, you know, Gordon talks about how he heard rumors once that you know Joker and some of the other big villains like there's a network of like safe places for them to go and hide when they're not doing their thing, and they've been using it for years and. They try to kick Joker out because he kills, like, one of the neighbor, like, hideouts, and Joker basically says, let's set up an ambush because there's going to be people on the way. But a lot of this issue is Barbara and Jim talking to each other and talking about all this stuff and their condition. She gives him a special phone that's red because she, he, he always loses the phones that she gives him. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that I've, I've heard this joke before, so this isn't even just out of, out of nowhere, this, this line. This is something that's been brought up before, is that She's given him like phones for Christmas and stuff that he's he's lost. It sounded familiar to me. I'll have to tell you a word for it. So, so, I, I, 
I can't say I've never, like, died. Definitely not. But I'm not, I'm not confident enough to say I remember it. Yeah. Uh, she basically says, yeah, if, if you don't check in twice a day, I'm going to, like, just put in the emergency protocols, which is, like, probably to send the entire Bat family uh, <laughs> on, on wherever his last location was. Uh, and does mention that there is, like, safety locks on the Bat computer. Like, you know, he's, he's getting access to the Bat computer database, but a lot of it's going to be blocked off. Like, and... Ghost news, basically. Yeah. But in, unless unless you convinced, give me a really good reason to unlock a certain thing, like you're you're only getting this portion that's been deemed relevant. So, uh, yeah. So not only do we get a Jim Gordon book about him dealing with the horrors that the Joker's put him through on a personal level, and him hunting down Joker, and maybe him questioning can he take a life, uh, the worst possible life, for all the best reasons, can he cross that line? We're also exploring him knowing who Barbara actually is. And the dynamic of them working together on some level. So there's a lot of really think good things going on in this book. That if you like these characters, like Jim and Babs, like the, the stuff here to care about. Uh, so which is it's frustrating that it, they're overcharging for the book because it's uh it's and obviously the art has been you know Gillen March, but uh that's you know whatever. Uh, then we go to Texas, right? So there's the four characters teased out in the book. You know, uh, as the opening narration was happening. And it even looks like the house, specifically from the remake of Texas Chainsaw. But it's this family uh, who apparently one of their like relatives um, was arrested and spent like a life in Arkham. And they've been living comfortably, they're never going to get out, but they've, they've, they've used their fortune to make sure that they'll, they'll live happily in Arkham. And they, they die during AD. And they blame Joker. So it's basically the head of the, the household sort of saying that we're going to hunt this prick down. And by prick, I mean the clown. Even though we know that it was actually Scarecrow. But, I mean, it makes sense that everyone thinks it was Joker. Given the, the laughing gas and whatnot. Uh, and then Santa Prisca, this, like, these Bane supporters have, have built like a, a, another super soldier with the Venom. Uh, this woman who puts on a Bane mask and also says she's hunting the Joker. So we actually have like all these third parties like hunting the Joker. Uh, and then the final cliffhanger of the book, which comes all the way back round to who this mysterious woman and whatever her fake name was. Um, we find out that her... Now, I didn't remember if this last name is important. I don't know if, if, if Clark, Miss Clark, is going to mean anything to you that maybe I'm misremembering. But it turns out that she's actually working on behalf of the Court of Owls, who also want to go after Joker. And she's basically making good for her family name which is why i think maybe the clark names came up before at some point uh, i don't remember it but that would yeah. be presumably in the early snyder stuff at the start of new 52 yeah. right which you know was like a decade ago yeah so basically you know her father or her mother or whoever who was in the court of owls like failed back in the day and she's like sort of regaining the honor and she puts on the, the mask at the end uh and it's like, it's finally time to t teach the Joker to be aware of the Court of Owls. So she's that. So this book, th this issue did a lot. And, and it's 20 pages. Like, most of it's one conversation between Babs, well, two conversations, Babs and, or sorry, Batman and Gordon, and then Babs and Gordon. And those are both really long. They both got all the time they need to, to flesh out. But there's the, the all these teases at the start of all these other groups. There's a scene in the middle with the Joker to break it up. And then the ending is like the payoff to all those teases at the start of like, okay, this is all third parties, third, fourth, and fifth parties who are also hunting the Joker, which is only going to make Gordon's life 
more difficult on this mission you would expect. Um, from a storytelling perspective, I think this book this book's really well put together. And from a like from a character perspective, I think it feels really important for the the the, the primary characters we're dealing with. Amusingly, not Joker, <laughs> despite the fact that it's called the Joker. But that's okay. It's a Commissioner Garden book, and it wouldn't sell if it was called that. So, um, might if you slap Tynan's name on it front and center like all his other books. That's true. That's true. If they really emphasize Tynan, maybe maybe they'd uh, get away with it. But uh, so yeah, arts ropey, but I'm liking the story. I'm I'm glad I'm glad a patron's making me read this because I, I get to still experience it and and discover what's going on with everything. Uh, that's like a big deal. Obviously, issue three already came out last week, so I'll be reading issue three next month, and then I'll I'll, I'll be continuously one behind. But that's not a big deal. It still feels relevant. It's still everything's still tying into the current Gotham world. You know, the fact that Batman's like, yeah, all this shit's going on, so I can't hunt him. So, yeah, may as well be you, Garden. Solid stuff. Uh, the main story, like, even with the art, I think I still want to give it an eight. Even, even like, I, you know, I love the characters of Jim and Bab so much that, like, everything it does, and I think even the teasing of all these third parties hunting Joker is all fun, uh, in its own right. So, uh, yeah, even with the art, I think I want to give it an eight. Uh, and it would probably, if it had really good art, it would probably be another nine. Uh, not that it would count for the rankings this week, but and then you knock the point off for the shitty extra dollar. Yeah, well, there's there's another backup because uh, keep in mind. It was an extra dollar to begin with because of the backup, and then it's another extra dollar for some reason. So yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, yeah. the dollar for the backup is fine. You know, that, like just that's uh, that's the same as every other book where where maybe I'm not always happy about it, but at least the pages represent. So on the subject of the backup, uh, we go to Blackgate once again. Punchline's in there. She she hit. Uh, I can't remember the exact character, but the the queen of whatever. So uh, there's the royal flush gang in in the prison right now. Uh, she's all pissed that. Uh, punchline whacked her uh and we get all these we, we see all these different like video feeds so someone's been doing like sort of like interviews about all these people that punchline knew before she became punchline and they're talking about her harper rose listening to this talking to leslie Tompkins, and kind of sets her on a path to investigate this guy someone she knew uh when they were both kind of like snotty goth kids in high school uh and she goes and kind of interrogates them and he leads her down to the basement where it seems like he's actually been building his own little, uh, uh, not murder board, but he's got like a little, not a shrine, but it's like he's trying to like investigate himself, or at the very least he's obsessed with her. I, I'm, I'm not sure, that the context isn't clear exactly what he's, what his reason for having this is yet, but he says, here's everything I know about her. Uh, Alexis is her, you know, actual name, so. Uh, so that, that's fine. Uh, but I did have fun with the, uh, the prison stuff. Um, basically... You know, punchline's starting to take over the prison all a bit. Uh, the Royal Flush Gang's not happy with it. And the cliffhanger of the backup is uh, that they actually got Orca put into Blackgate just so that Orca can be used as a henchman for the Flush Gang. So that's the cliffhangers that Orca's in there. Uh, so, honestly, yeah, it's, it's a fun time. It's fun having Harper Rowe kind of be the lead hero in a, in a story. Uh, the only critique I'd have of this is that it's so short because it's a 10 page backup. And it does go in really quickly, uh. So, and I think that that hurts my memory of the story a bit more when it it has less of an impact on me because it's it's much much shorter. But 
it's a backup that's there. I mean, I'm still going to read it because I, I still like the characters involved and it's adding to things, you know. So, uh, I'll I'll rate I'll rate uh the backup a uh, solid seven. Uh, I think. I mean, the art's good. The, the art, I mean, it's much better than the main st- story. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, much much better. Um, yeah. Uh, the art was uh, uh Mika and Dolfo. Uh, so it's very expressive, cartoony. Uh, it kind of fits the punky nature of a lot of the characters, you know. Uh, Punchline, Harper, they they all have kind of a more, you know, modern aesthetic. They they got the funky colors in the hair and stuff like that. The real first uh, woman does as well. Um, you know, I mean, because Harper has the blue and the the uh, the purple, and then the real first girl has green in her hair. So you know, there's there's a lot of that going on. It kind of fits together the attitude that the story has and the characters have. Uh, so, nah, it's neat. Uh, you know, overall, uh, you know, if it wasn't for the gouging of the price, it's actually a very solid book, uh, story and character-wise, at the very least, with a, a fun enough backup, so, uh, stroke it too. Um, so, final Patreon book, uh, uh, Noctera issue three, take it away. Yep, uh, Snyder writing and Tony Daniel on that. Uh, honestly, this is a pretty straightforward issue. This is... Arguably the most straightforward Snyder book I've read in years. Uh, no, that's a bad thing. It's still very good. Uh, we open with another flashback section to when when they were kids, just after it kind of all, all happened. Uh, we learned last issue the parents were infected, um, so we start with the two kids watching the news, and the parents are locked in the bedroom, and the news is basically telling us once the eyes changed, there's no way back. That's kind of the the turning point. You can't stop it at that point because once that's done, scans show the brain itself has changed, especially around the language center. Um, so if if that's happened, don't listen to them. They, they still seem human, but they're trying to trick you. Uh, and you know, they, they go and t- talk to them through the door. Uh, some really nice lettering effects here, where um, there's no bubbles behind the door. It, you know, there's no tails on the bubbles from them behind the door. The, the text's a little bit smaller. It's got that. It's got that sense of distance to it, and then there's a bit where, uh, you know, uh, Val's actually you know, whispering to her brother, and it does the, the outline of the bubbles kind of becomes like like broken, like dotted lines rather than one solid bubble to show the whispering. Just clever little bits, um. But when they do open the door a little bit, you just see the glowing eyes, and it's it's them saying, "Yeah, we love you." Uh, yes, we mean it. We love you with all our hearts. Um, which is important because. It comes up again later, but it even says then uh, in the narration, it's like, you know, they did mean what they were saying. Uh, they just didn't realize that then they weren't talking to us, they were talking to something else. Uh, because this is this idea that once the language center of the brain is infected, they're, they're connected to the hive mind, so to speak. And who knows what exactly they're communicating to. Um, but also the lettering again, when we see them, it's this really like a scratchy lettering the the bubbles are they're not neat anymore they're kind of like not quite wavy just a little bit off uh just not neat ovals uh just to give you this sense that you know they're not quite human anymore uh but close enough that they're still recognizable um but i think it's really smart because when they're behind the door and we don't see them when they're putting on the act you know you it, it still looks relatively normal the the text uh it's it's not until you see them and realize the truth that it changes. It's just this really smart trick. Uh, but then we just cut ahead to the future. Well, I say the future, the present. 
uh, and it's uh, them in the in the truck trying to escape. Uh, backstop Bill was that his name? I'm completely forgetting his name. The, the, the I, I, the don't read, I don't read the book. Blackstop right. Bill, you're, you're kind of on your own. <laughs> I was getting it. I was getting it. Blackstop Bill. Um, we get a little bit more of his legend. There's this idea that oh no, he he had a, like a legend even before uh, the big PM as like this hunter, uh, pseudo mythical and how good he was that he could you know hunt anything by the sounds of it. Um, it it's just you know them trying to escape. Uh, she's going through, you know, they've got like defenses at their ports. So there's like a big, uh, big neon, uh, neon sign, you know, the, the cowgirl with the gun, you know, you've, you've seen the image, uh, you know, very classical, like neon sign image. Uh, but it turns out it's actually got like uh, one of the, the pouches on the, the thing you know, is, is filled with something else that's a big explosive. So they try and blow them up. Doesn't happen. Keeps, keeps coming. Uh, Blackstop Bill, he kind of shoots some harpoons into them that are draining their batteries as well. So they're like, you know, they're, they're, they're running low. Um, so the, the, the grandpa, the old man who they're transporting, decides that he's going to sacrifice himself. He's going to make the play. Because um, if he, he can take the doors off manually and open them to get rid of the harpoons. And if he gives himself over to Bill, maybe he'll stop chasing them because he's what they, they want. Or so they assume. Uh, before he does, he gives the, the, the little girl his journal. He says, look, this is all going to be gibberish to you. It won't mean anything, but I, I didn't entirely lie to you. Take it to where, where we'll go in. And my brother will understand it and he'll, you know, help. Um, but he does get captured by, by Bill. Uh, and, and he's like, hey, you know, you might as well just kill me. It's fine. But by the way, I gave them my fake journal. Here's the real one. So... Kill me, not her. You don't need them. You can stop chasing them now. Pretty obvious, right? Yeah, not, not very subtle. I'm sure he's not buying this at all. Um, but Bill's pretty evil. He's like, no, 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 no. I, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to leave you there tied up with the harpoon through your stomach until you turn into a shade. And then you're going to go and kill the girl yourself. Because lovely. Uh, but the rest of the issue is only a few pages. They've they've reached a like a, a sanctuary cave. Um, somewhere in Utah, that uh, this this cave that I assume was is a, a tourist location now because they talk about the, there's all these handprints inside and there's like debate as to whether or not they're you know they're actually as old as they seem or you know if it's just something whatever. Um, but you know uh, the idea that now it's it's kind of irrelevant. Uh, every time someone comes through, they kind of put a handprint with like this neon paint almost on it to give it a glow so that this cable is always light and they're always replenishing it because again light's the safety thing um but her brother's obviously in a bad place uh he's he's again they, you know, if you've forgotten they're traveling to this sanctuary because she thinks that they might have uh or the, the reason she's doing it is she thinks they might have the technology to heal him you know stop the infection before it gets any worse um she goes off and talks to the to the girl. It's like, hey, you know, what's going on? You know, what what's what did he give you? What did he say? And he shows her the journal, and it's kind of nothing. Nice little bit of banter between them. Just basically, she's like, oh, I don't, you know, forget about believing in the 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 lie that he told you that you know the, this place will make the sun come back. So there's daylight's gone forever. And the girl's like, oh, I believe it's coming back. And then and then she's just despite you, I believe in the hands on the walls as well. They're real. You got to deal with it. Uh, just, just all this stuff, just this little bit of character building that, that's 
I don't want to say lacking, but the book has focused so much on the the action and the big bombastic nature and the mystery of everything that's going on that the characters, while solid, have not been the 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 heart or the hook in any way. They've been interesting enough, uh, but they haven't been special. Uh, so now again, a little bit of interaction between the characters is is nice. Uh, you know, especially as we're you know at the end of issue three now. Uh, but the final bit is uh, the brother opening his eyes and they, they, they've changed. He is now too far gone. And he actually says, you know, I, I love you too. And then there you go. The, the final line goes, I love you with all my heart. And the lettering switches to what the parents had when they had that, that line as well. Uh, really nicely bookends the issue. And it's, it's her narration to, you know, you know, saying he was speaking to something else. Uh, I'm getting quite invested in what this mystery is. Like, what else is out there? What is the larger hive mind? Because it's it's not just talking to someone else. It's not just talking to other members. At least that's the implication here. It's something else. That there's like a a higher power almost controlling them. Uh, I'd be very interested to see what it goes into. Um, but the, the books, honestly, it's a lot of fun. Uh, art's great. Action looks fantastic, which is important when probably two thirds of the issue is action. Um, but yeah, no, I'm having a blast with it. It's a solid eight. Okay, there you go. That is the last book. So that's the part of the show. We pick our favorites of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and uh, rank our top five. So uh, we'll get into it. what is your moment slash panel of the week. Would you like to take a guess? Because I think it's pretty obvious. <sighs> is it? Is it? Dick acknowledging the delusional Tim fans is that is that uh, one? Yeah, yeah, yes, that's that's the moment. Dick acknowledging that we're we're right to think <clears throat> Tim's the best. You can appreciate that opinion. He doesn't say it's the right opinion. There's a there's a difference. Um, I don't know what means is actually off the top of my head. Um, there's a lot of good books to pick from. It's one of those rare weeks where I knew as soon as I read it, I'm like, that's my moment. That was my sec that was like my sure. second book I read, and I was like, I know it. It doesn't count, but there's even a moment from Joker that could have theoretically won because of just the, the implications of the characters involved. Um I think I think I'm probably gonna to have to go also with Nightwing, but I'm going with the uh, nature of the relationship, but that sequence of like three panels. Uh mm. just like I sort of laughed out loud. Uh, in a sort of very specific kind of ho, 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 ho way, where it was like it was there was so much weight behind the joke, which is why it was funny. That it just it, it you know it all works so well. Uh, a lot I picked from this week though. Uh, as far as cover of the week goes, uh, I do really like the the regular Wonder Girl cover, but uh, for me it's no question the variant for Nightwing, where he is making the Nightwing logo out of the clotheslines. Uh, uh, is that a Campbell variant? Up in the sky. It is gorgeous. It's one of those things where I think the first time I looked at it, I didn't even realize he was doing the, the top of the symbol with his feet. I thought he was just doing a handstand. Doing the V, yeah. yeah. Um, which is the nice thing. It is a very nice cover. I mean, spoiled the covers this week. It's just one of those Cal things where Cal it's... Everyone has a, has a prison variant, which is gorgeous. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like art quality, but it's also just the conceptually it's such a good cover. Because sometimes it'll just be a really nice drawn cover. It's, there's nothing conceptually special about it but that's yeah, just a really fun I'm, idea i'm looking at the wonder girl covers um i think i'm gonna go with the regular variant which is the uh the bill cosively one um i really like that I, I discounted a lot of the others because they're 
you know, one to twenty fives or store exclusives, and we tend to not really mm. count those. Are there um, kind of like the one where she's uh, with the the Pegasus, uh, the Jen Bartel one? Yeah, that, that looks quite nice. But honestly, yeah. my, my favorite one is actually the regular cover, though. I actually really like the. Regular I get it. Cover. I get it. That's like a close second out of the covers, barring you know, out of the, the main two. Anyway. Yeah. So it's yeah. very close. Yeah, they did a lot of like store exclusives and like one in one twenty fives and all that for. So there's actually quite a few of the variants. Yeah, on there. there's a there's a one in two fifty foil variant, which, oof. Foil. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The, actually, uh, that works for Wonder Woman because she actually part of the outfit is actually got a, a metal, a metallic. So it's it's the the grandpa variant, which is her like yeah, with her hands on her hips. Mm. But then, which is I, I think that's just a regular variant. But then they've got the the one in two fifty version, which is the foil variant version of that same cover. But okay. Well, uh, probably price. All right, art of the week. <laughs> not fair <laughs> like i genuinely don't know this is the first time in a long time where i don't know because Cat- catwoman nightwing and wonder girl are all phenomenal art yeah just god damn it and it's not like marquez is slumming it either <laughs> it says a lot like... when like, you know, like Marquez is easily the fourth choice out of those. Like, you know, he's easily below those. Uh, the, and... the only one that has questionable art is Flash. Like, the, the rest are all excellent to up and up. Yeah, yeah. Like, but those three are, 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 are like Justice League's a, a step below those three still for me. But god damn it, I I just don't know. Um. I'll give it to Nightwing, I guess, just because of some of the extra little elements that I appreciate. Had a little bit more diversity in what it did in the issue, but I mean, it could have been any of them. Yeah, yeah, I praised all three in their art, but I, I think I'm going to go with Wonder Girl on this. Um, maybe it's just because I've been getting Redondo and Blanco on those books, so it, this is the fresh one. But yeah. uh, I, I think the art helps so much in making Yara this likable, fiery spirit that. Uh, I just I mean, have to go with it. So it's one of those where I, I wouldn't fault anyone for picking any of those yeah. three choices because it's it's a terrible choice to make. And much like the other two, it did also have inventive layouts. Uh, it had little touches and how it paced the 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 panels and all those other things that we always talk about with the the craft of the paneling. But um, all right, uh, ranking the top five, go. I know what your four and five are going to be. It's, this is the order of the first three that are. Oh yeah, yeah. It's Justice League and then Flash could be four and five. Um, <laughs> I don't know. God damn it. Uh, Nightwing, Wonder Girl, Cat. No, no. <laughs> Nightwing, Catwoman, Wonder Girl. I don't know. Just take your pick. I'll go with those three, but it's kind of meaningless this week. For once, I, I genuinely don't know. No, I, I'm going to put Nightwing at number one, and then I'll put Wonder Girl at number two and Catwoman at number three, uh, and then just League at four and Flash at five. Uh, if if I could count Joker, but I, I tell you, I mean, I can't, but if I could count Joker, since it is still a very relevant, just one month behind issue, uh, it, it would slot in. It would slot in above Flash uh, comfortably. And if it had good art, it would slot in probably above Justice League. But it, it doesn't. 
Like, I, I don't think that, I don't know if I've ever had a week before where there were like I've had it where I've struggled to decide between like two books, but three where it's a complete toss up where I don't know really. Like, if you ask me again tomorrow, I might give you three those three in a different order. Yeah. I don't know. You know Matt, Matt, I think Matt's read most of his books. I don't know why he didn't send in his his ranking for us to to also reveal, but maybe just he's slacking too busy too busy watching the hockey. Out. Yeah, it's hockey season. He's uh, he's got more important things to do. Yes. Oh, oh, I get to. Oh, I'm going to get to say something. It was a quote from one of my new favorite B movies that I'm going to get to say in a few months' time, and it's going to be great. No one's going to well, get it but me. What well, 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 is it going to be? Like, <laughs> and it's relevant to Matt watching hockey. I want to know what it is because you're going to forget it. You're going to forget to say it in a couple of months. <laughs> okay, so in the blob, 1988 which is a wonderful, schlocky 80s B-movie with great practical effects. There's a scene where some of the, 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 the 12-year-olds, whatever they are, sneak off to see a horror movie, right? So this is the end of the 80s, right at the height of the slasher boom, or the tail end of it. And they're seeing, like, a, it's not a Friday the 13th movie, but it's, like a, you know, it's the, the movie's fake version of it, right? Uh, and it's, like, this really cheesy scene with, like, this couple uh, having a picnic at night in their really crap romance, and you're, like, and it's one of those things, the first time you watch it, you're like, this could just be in this movie, but I feel like it's probably like a movie scene, like inside the movie. Because it's, you know, because it's not exactly that far away in tone from the movie is anyway. But then there's like a, you know, there's a serial killer with a hockey mask on, uh, okay. up in the distance. And, you know, the woman streams and says, ah, something. And the boyfriend, completely deadpan, and, and shocked and doesn't understand that this is a serial killer just yells out but hockey season ended months ago <laughs> and it's one of my favourite lines in any horror movie now me, me, we did it on the ace because it's also a sci-fi movie and me and Taro uh, like were cackling talking about that scene in the review it was absolutely great fair enough I, I cannot recommend 1988's The Blob more it's a really funny movie. There's a lot of good comedy in the movie, actually. Uh, that that one, that being one of the highlights. But there's a lot of good comedy in it. Anyway, there you go. Uh, I'll tell you what's coming <laughs> next week from DC Comics, uh, which Connor doesn't get to. Joe, Joe, the, the tears in Matt's eyes as I was telling him that Nightwing, Wonder Girl, and Catwoman were all out this week that he was missing. I, I, yeah, I don't think I'm missing anything to quite that level. Or at least not like the triple punch like that. Yeah. Uh, so coming next week, we got Detective Comics 1036. We got Action Comics 1031. We got Strange Adventures issue 10. Batman mm-hmm. Superman 18. Robin issue 2. Teen Titans Academy issue 3, which we have both dropped now, admittedly, but that uh, is out. Harley Quinn issue 3. Look for Corostas in that next month. Hey, I'm currently up to date on Harley Quinn. Who knew? Technically, but you'll be out, out of date. As of next week. After next week, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Batman Black and White issue 6 is coming out. The Other History of the DC Universe issue 4. Uh, we do have one new thing that we'll definitely be checking out in the show, which is Mr. Miracle, The Source of Freedom. And we have a one-shot Stargirl Spring Break special issue one, which should be an interesting uh, little thing to check out. Uh, also, The Maelstone Returns Infinite Edition issue 0 is out. I don't know how much that'll be a thing we check. That but... is the... Uh, I have read the majority of it because i think the the, i think there's like two stories in it the 20 page main story is uh or 20 ish is 
the thing from fandom last okay, year okay uh, it's basically setting up all of the milestone books that are launching in the next couple of months <laughs> yeah I'll... so probably worth reading yeah i'll have to remain matter the, the one shot in the mr miracle book just in case he forgets them but uh yes i suspect that we'll be looking at those but you know action detective been solid strange adventures uh obviously it's one of the best it's, exciting things to talk about it's definitely a good looking week yeah but I'd rather be on this week than next if I had to pick. <laughs> well, it worked out in your favour then, didn't it? It did, yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, Connor's not here next week. Must mean there's a super secret issue 13 of Doomsday Clock coming out. Uh, that... <laughs> <laughs> Retire that damn joke. It's been two years. Probably longer since I missed an issue. <laughs> yeah, pro- probably. Probably. But, you know. Hey, I still bring Cold Snap up occasionally. I mean, it's obviously less frequent. But once in a while, you pop the long-time listeners with a really old reference to an early episode. <laughs> once uh. in a while. Uh, but yeah, that's what's coming next week from DC Comics. Obviously, we did mention Patreon, talk about the Patreon picks, but uh, you can support us at patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month and get some bonuses. At the $5 tier in particular, you get uh, the, the show a day early uh, than everyone else. So go have a look and see if you're interested in helping keep all the content coming. Uh, of course, you can support us for free simply by rating and giving us a review of the podcast on your, your podcast app or platform of choice. You know, iTunes is a really popular one, but tons of people use Google or, you know, Pocket Casts or whatever people use. Um, Spotify. We use Spotify. People do use Spotify. That's true. We do have listeners on Spotify. Um, uh, you can also, of course, support us uh, if you watch us on YouTube by pounding the like button and subscribing and be commenting as well if you if you feel so inclined uh so do all that it catches on the twitters at dc comics podcast uh go and have a look there uh but otherwise that is us thank you very much once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep reading dc comics and i almost said an outro to a different show there i, I just stopped myself in time and it's because what are you gonna do we were talking about the blob so i had the ace outro in my head i had the ace <laughs> outro ready to go I was about to say computer ad salsa. But luckily, but luckily, I caught myself. Keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. But hockey season ended months ago.